Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Fire away. Once I got to the sewer level, I thought that the ludonarrative dissonance scored a straight 7 out of 10. Well, you know, the traversal kind of took a nosedive right there. It was a real mixed bag. The truth split my skull open. I would say that the guns represented uh, his father, and more specifically, his father's phallus, and the way that that empowered him and simultaneously disempowered him because he had to hold one in each hand. It was split. Two bearded assholes clamoring about my adventures, desperate for attention and validation. Well, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned like those kind of things, because I really saw it as an adaptation of T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, hmm. and then also Stephen King's The Wastelands. Inflicting their opinions on anyone and everyone around them, mistakenly thinking that this melange of half-baked theories and tired catchphrases ever justify the time and poor production value they dedicated to them. He's moving at the speed of life, much like a Moby or like a, uh, a Madonna from her soundtrack for uh, Austin Powers 3, The Spy Who Shacked Me. Uh, yeah, no, that was actually a gold member. Austin Powers Three was. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't mean to blow up your spot and like call you to the you know, carpet. Uh, um, I don't mean to correct you. I don't mean to fire the cannon indoors. But Austin Powers Two was the spy who shagged me. At, at the end of the day, at thirty thousand feet, just blue sky solutioneering. I mean, each Austin Powers movie represents a dramaturgical dyad of, uh, you know, and one end we have Remus. And it's Austin Powers, and he is one of the wolf lords of old. On the other hand, we have Max, and he is like Romulus. And the two of them, Austin Powers and Max Payne, wrestle together to form an essential yin-yang of violence, sex, death, and really a modern economy. I was in a video game podcast. Funny as hell. It was the most horrible thing I could think of. What can they watch out for, aside from mafioso types? They can watch out for dames. (laughs) Dames with legs up to their eyeballs. (laughs) They can also watch out for fireballs. Gary Butterfield. My name's Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about Max Payne, which is a shooter developed by Remedy Entertainment and published by Rockstar Games for several platforms in 2002. Including the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that was weird, weird right? <laughs> have you ever played that shit? No, I've not even seen videos of it. It's really weird. Yeah. like it's, And it's supposed to be... There's that weird era in the Game Boy Advance's lifespan where it was emulating games that it had, like, instead of emulating Super Nintendo games, it was emulating PlayStation games by making them isometric, like, yeah. overhead, like the Tony Hawk games for yeah, Game Boy Tony Advance. Hawk. I remember liking those on Game Boy Advance. They're awful. Oh. Like, I, if you if you try to, they were so hard, like, I mean, maybe they're not objectively awful, but they were so hard for me to, to play. 
I only ever play them in the context of like standing in a Babbage's. Like, holy mm. crap, look at what the Game Boy Advance can do. It, yeah, exactly. They're they're like impressive tech demos. And same thing with the Max Payne game. Like, yeah. I think I played like maybe like 15 minutes of the Max Payne Game Boy Advance game, which is kind of a lot just to be like, boy, this doesn't work. <laughs> um, they also put it out on iOS, which I can't imagine working that well either. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so the, the iOS compromise that you make when you play a game that you really want to play and it's just like, well, I want to play this on the toilet and in bed and I'll deal with a really suboptimal experience. Yeah. I think we just set a record. <laughs> I think that we just set a record for uh, the quickest time to diversion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have this plan though. It's not, it's not a diversion in my head. Okay. Um, the, the uh, no, I, I didn't have a plan by any means. The, uh, so this uh, this game, Max Payne, in all of its forms, uh, for the most part, actually, yeah, it takes place from a third-person perspective, and you gun down increasing numbers of enemies over three parts and several chapters. Uh, the main twist of the gameplay is the inclusion of bullet time, which slows the action down and lets you do crazy dives all over the place like the Matrix. Yes, although when, whenever I see mention of bullet time, uh, like there, there's always this kind of defensive tone, like, well, Max Payne was in development before the Matrix came out. Yeah. You have to wonder if that was like a zeitgeist kind of thing. Yeah, like an asteroids, uh, an asteroid deep impact. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I hear bullet time, I think of that uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, diaper time, baby time thing. <laughs> like if you've ever seen that, that that's what I always think of yeah. someone like a, ba- a human adult baby singing about bullet time. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a diaper full of bullets. I always, I always, <laughs> I always picture I always picture Mac and Charlie wearing the wedding dress, walking towards the car and shooting at it while doing poppers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good. It is a pretty good show. Um, But uh, but yeah, Max Payne is also notable for its cinematic tone and uh, graphic novel segments uh, that push the story along. It cribs from and alludes to uh, works in the film noir genre uh, and features hokey overwrought monologues that split my head like a green axe. Yeah, that, that I still really love. Yeah. And they, they do some hilarious in the second one. They draw attention to it in a hilarious way. Like characters around him tell him to stop <laughs> when he starts doing it. Yeah. It's, it's really, really fun. Um, the game it was a critical and financial success. and went on to spawn two sequels and a movie. Um, the second sequel is the one that kind of has all that fun self-awareness I was talking about. The third one I've not played, but it seems like it drains all of the humor and winkingness from the series have you played max Payne 3 i know you're more up on modern releases um i have not played max Payne 3 i i uh, the the most attention that i played to it was the early concept art which featured him um overweight bald and with uh stains on a shirt that either could have been dip spit or vomit okay (laughs) (laughs) boomer pain like the uh yeah gross the other other thing i noticed when you you talk about that graphic novel thing uh that's a lot like gabriel knight Oh, you right. had those graphic yeah. novel cutscenes that were really similar to this. You know what? I, I had forgotten about that, but uh, that is that is an entirely valid and a good comparison. Yeah, I'm not saying like anything. I mean, ripped off another thing. I'm just yeah, saying no, that no. Uh, remind me of that. Yeah, um, it, it was a, it was a nice economical way to do those cutscenes, like the way that mm-hmm. they wanted to. I mean, it would have been weird if it was all an engine because all this engine is made for is uh, is shooting stuff. Yeah, run, run, <laughs> shoot, shoot. Yeah. yeah, or if they had done like a postage stamp size FMV. Oh. I mean, it wouldn't have had to have been postage stamped at that point, but it probably would have looked like shit. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the movie either. I just know that it has Mark, Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis in it. And mm-hmm. I just, I can't abide. A duet of pleasures. <laughs> oh, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mark Wahlberg is in some good stuff, but the, uh, I yeah. haven't seen it either, despite liking the uh, the games generally. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the uh, the plot of the first game, not the movie, not uh, It's Always Sunny. Three years ago, uh, three years ago, Max Payne, an NYPD officer, uh, came to find uh, came home to find that his wife and infant child were murdered by street toughs, hopped up on a new designer drug called Valkyr. Mm-hmm. Yep, thus signifying the Nordic uh, mythology undertones <laughs> yes. for the next several hours. Undertones, Gary? Yeah, well, yeah, it's just tones. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah, I mean overtones and regular tones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The game, the game uh, then kind of comes to present day, and you are an undercover DEA agent uh, investigating the Punchinello mob family, which has been trafficking Valkyr in the city. Um, you get a tip from your DEA supervisor, BB, to investigate uh, the subway because they got awesome sandwiches. And uh, that leads to a confrontation with the Punchinellos, and you blow your cover, and you end up being framed for your partner's murder. And you didn't get any Black Forest ham. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Um, so as a fugitive with a lead on the people who killed this family, Max starts shooting his way up the mafia chain of command, ultimately finding out that Valkyr is the product of the Acer Corporation uh, and the United States military. It was kind of a Gulf War babies kind of situation. Um, mm-hmm. Also, uh, his wife was murdered because she was on the case for uh, Project Valhalla which yes. was this whole thing. Val- Valkyries, yeah. Valhalla, blah, blah, blah. Woden, Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil is mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's all, it's all <laughs> Ragnarok. Yes. Um, the uh, Your final target and the head of Acer ends up being Nicole Horn, which in a lot of the cutscenes reminded me of the mom of, it's, uh, of Arrested Development a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, you're offered a deal by a man named Woden uh, who leads something called the Inner Circle. And he says he'll clear your record and let you walk free if you kill her. Um, the game ends with Nicole Horn dead and Max being carried away in the back of a cruiser, happy that he has carried out his revenge. Yes. Having not played the second one, uh, this is jumping ahead. Does that does anything happen related to that? Or is he just a dude who's on the force again? Like, um, no. Yeah. The uh, yeah. Woden gets him out. OK. And uh, and does everything. And then the second one uh, ends up being uh, you are investigating the inner circle oh. and they are they are kind of the primary antagonists. Makes sense. Of it. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like the plot of this game for as like crazy con not convoluted but just uh, repetitive it is. It's kind of got that uh, Shadowrun Genesis vibe where you're just going after these shaggy dog chases of like okay, so this person with an Italian last name, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're driving the Italians out of America <laughs> one one sheet out at a time, doing God's it's work. Pro Prohibition era America again. <laughs> they're they're the, anarchists, uh, you see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the uh, it's a, I like the plot of this game too. Like it's it's hokey and stupid, but it it reminded me a little bit of of Looper, where like in Looper they're like, "Hey, this shit's confusing," and the characters just say it. Yep. Like, and if you can't get over that, you won't like it. And I can get over that. I can get into some pretty dumb noir stuff. Uh huh. I'd be pretty into it. Like, like noir is my favorite thing. Like yeah. That, like like if I had to pick a favorite genre of film, that would be it. So this is like straight up my alley in a way that it, it, like, I don't know, a, a, a lot of other stuff is. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, just the way that this checks off, like a government conspiracy, check. Uh, a cult, check. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, it's, the, it's this awesome uh, cross section or splicing of crazy video game logic with 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 noir. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that's why I'm kind of willing to forgive how, how fucking stupid it is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's real noir. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the noirest thing. And I don't, I'm not quite as weak to that genre, 
but I do appreciate it. And I, I think this is a pretty good execution of it. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty classic setup and uh, pretty, uh, pretty faithful execution. Um, <laughs> execution yeah. like a bullet it, from a gun. Yeah, yeah. Pretty faithful executions um, <laughs> in the in the, uh, the game. Um, it starts off with kind of a, the prologue um, where you know you're getting that backstory, right. and there are a couple of important details that are that are here. Um, one of which is I think this is where they reveal where your wife says like, "Hey, you know, I something happened today. It was about Vikings or something like that, mm-hmm. right?" Yeah. Um, in, in this prologue, and you brush her off because you don't have time for her. And then when you come back, your house has been broken into. And it's just an interactive cutscene. Like, this isn't really a level. Right. But you can see your house being destroyed um, and uh, find your, your baby dead and your wife dead. And it's kind of real gut-wrenching. Like the entire time you're there, you're hearing her kind of call for help from you mm-hmm. and, and such. Yeah. And uh, they come back to this at the beginning of every of every part of the game. There are three parts to it. And it gets significantly more twisted each time. Mm-hmm. Like weirder and weirder, and I really like the implication. I don't think this is actually what happened, but the kind of like manifestation of guilt that comes up later, and we'll talk about it later. But right. it, it kind of for a little while kind of zigs and calls into question whether Max did it. Yeah, you know, and I really like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a nice little uh, processing of that grief. But for here, we just find out that your wife and baby have been murdered by crazy junkies hopped up on Valkyr, and thus you join the DEA and start the game proper. Right. And uh, you start the game proper in a subway. So it starts at a subway level. Yep. Yeah. The, and you're gunning down sandwich artists. I don't know why that's funny to me. Why is that stupid joke? I, I, you know, Every time you say subway, it's making me think like how funny it would be if any of the subway things happened in a subway. If, if any subway level in any game everywhere <laughs> took place in a subway sandwich. That would be amazing. It would at least be smaller. <laughs> oh, like, I mean, it would be yeah. shorter. We're going to do Deus Ex, and there's a really long subway part of yeah. that, I recall. Um, so Yeah, no, there's really just, you just you go through the line, you know, they ask if you want it toasted. Of course you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I just, subway, I don't know, man. Anyway, um, this this is a for real subway. Yeah. Um, and uh, Roscoe Street Station mm-hmm. is where you start out. And it's really, it's it's a it's a Green Hill Zone. Like, it's it's teaching you the ropes. Yeah. There, there's uh, there's like a weird little escort section with like a subway technician, I think, um, mm-hmm. who I uh, just have to take him back. That pops up a little bit later. It's weird how they introduce that, um, you know, just here and then it doesn't show up again until forever. But, yeah, it takes a, it takes a long time. And I'm glad like I didn't want more. No, neither did I. You know, more escorts in this. But I think they're kind of just like laying out all the basic tenets of the game. Yeah. And for the most part, they do like there's not. One thing that we'll go to that's ultimately uh, a weakness of this game, but I kind of forgive it because the game's relatively short, is that uh, it's really repetitive. Like what you're doing in this first level, you're going to do again and again and again and again with minor variations for the entire game. Yeah, it has a minuscule gameplay loop, which is burst into room, dive into bullet time, and then hope that you kill as many people as possible in that first one. Yeah, and there, and there are some some specific set pieces that require you to change up your your tactics a little bit. But uh, I like a, a big epif- epiphany that happened to me when I was playing this. And I, I texted you about it. Mm-hmm. Was that this is like a spiritual uh, predecessor to Hotline Miami? Yeah, like this. I played this, and you don't have to play this game this way. And I actually learned later from a, a Facebook commenter that it's not the best way to play it. But I was abusing quick save and quick load and playing this game exactly like Hotline Miami. Right. 
Like I go into a new area, I, I do my best. If my best doesn't work, then I just immediately reload and just try a slightly different tactic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I wonder if there's any actual DNA there, or like if the, there's any actual influence, because it seemed fairly striking to me. Mm-hmm. It, it has to have come up in a in in a uh, uh, in an interview somewhere. If that's the case, my my, my thing is like it, you could say that about Max Payne, but you could say it about a bunch of other shooters too. Like, yeah. Like like, w- like where the enemies there are in fixed locations, um, in fixed numbers, with fixed kind of you know loadouts. And you approach it, and there's just enough entropy in the AI to make it to where you can have a broad strategy, and your tactics can, you know, be roughly the same. But it's just changing variables over and over again. So I'm wondering, like, if we were playing Half-Life One and just quick saving, quick loading the whole time, would we be saying the same thing? I don't. That's not how I usually play shooters. Okay. Like I don't often. I feel like one of the things that lends this game to it is in Hotline Miami. You kind of infamously, you know, it's one shot, one kill. Right. For your guy, that's not quite true here. But you're so fragile. Yeah. In this game, so like part of it was because of your your lack of durability that made me abuse that. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't abuse that in every shooter because I don't feel like I usually have to. Or they'll have like a cover system, or they'll have regenerating health, or some kind of system in place to prevent you from doing that. And this game strips all those away. And mm-hmm. makes you, you know, up until you start popping pain pills to like, you know, <laughs> uh, patch up your literal wounds, um, you you are at you know roughly as fragile as a human. Like you take a couple of bullets and you go down. Right. Yeah. So, so those first couple of seconds in an encounter are incredibly important, which mm-hmm. makes bullet time all that more you know vital to your success. Mm-hmm. And there, there's kind of two uses of, of bullet time. Um, bullet time is just a meter. It's a little. Uh, you know, hourglass on the on the lower left, and it's recharged by killing people. So, um, one yeah. thing that that uh, <laughs> I was about to say, as am I, but that's yeah. poor taste. So, um, by stealing the sands of the hourglass of other people, you refill your own, and the uh, it encourages a certain style of play, um, which is to be hyper aggressive. Right, like you use bullet time to get bullet time, and uh, and. That's how, you, how you're going to win. And you have two different uses. You can do a, a kind of a dive, a slow motion dive, and everything slows down except for the speed with which you aim and your rate of fire. Right. So you, uh, you, know, you don't move any faster. You're not actually dodging any better. You're, not invinc- or you're invincible during this, but not when you stand up. Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? Like, yeah. I've gotten killed right out of some dodges like many times. Yeah, that, that, that's the case. If you are in the air, you cannot be hurt. Okay. But you can be right afterwards, so it's not something. It's not like a, a win button. Um, but the big thing is your rate of fire didn't slow down, so you can line up headshots. You know, tap a tap a tap a line up mm-hmm. a headshot, tap a tap a tap a. And then the other thing you can do, and I didn't use this until later in the game, is just go into slow motion while you're walking around. Right. And this really becomes uh, useful later when you're going into more like enemy, you know, positions where the enemies have set up defensive kind of parameters, like they're waiting from cover to shoot you, and you enter. Yeah. And it's very useful to enter in slow motion and be able to to get off the first shot. Right. Yeah, I did. I didn't find too much use for the latter of those two until you get to the places with like the laser mines. And there are a couple of areas where it, you know, if you don't kill a dude before he drives a piece of machinery into you, you know, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. Super useful for that. Yeah. As well. Yeah. One thing, and I can't remember how this is exactly done, but I know in the second game, one thing I remember about it is that. The uh, dives are way less useful than just slowing down time. And I can't remember the changes that made that true. Okay. 
the the tutorial tells you it, and I remember it playing out. Yeah. In the game, that you spend more time just in general slow motion than you do doing these kind of quick time dodges. Yeah, it looks super goofy. Like if you're if you're just watching it objectively, like it 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 encourages not just unrealistic play because everything about it is unrealistic. It encourages kind of this weird like you if you're you're never not diving and it would get to the point where it's kind of like i would i would dive in and then i would immediately like most of my shooting was done from diving backwards away from the enemies yeah like kiting them down a hallway yeah yeah or you immediately you know something's in a room you dive in and then immediately dive out like let's see you know (laughs) it's it's pretty goofy and and for the time they do an okay job of making it look not stupid. Like if you hit a wall, you kind of roll against it. Um, but there's all kinds of dumb situations where you're going to get ca- caught on a bar or something like that and end up rolling in the air. And it's goofy. Yeah. Like no. And, and it says it. I don't think it, any of that stuff was intended to be goofy. I think that, you know, the developers did their best to make this look real badass. I think it's just a real product of its time in the engine. Yeah. You know. And also when you dive, you have a better chance to see a Max's face, which is never good. Yeah, the, the the facial models in this game, <laughs> like the like the enemy facial models, like the like the the bog standard just mob guys that you fight, they're not mm-hmm. that bad. Like they're just dudes. But like anybody who they're trying to give distinguishing characteristics to, like they yeah. they had to have like just done poor scans of somebody's face around the office. They they yeah. well that I think that's that that's definitely actually true. Yeah. So like the people the extras in this game are just extras from the office. Right. Um, <laughs> the I British mean, version Oscar of the Nunez, American version. Yeah, yeah, Oscar Nunez, uh, Kevin, um, Angela. The uh, <laughs> yes, for the American version, it's easy because they all have their own names. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's not just fat guy and rest of them, which is what the the British office is. Um, the uh, but I mean, they're they're just and they're they're kind of stretched out over them in a real like half life way. Yeah. Like they're just like a, a face, like a wallpaper. Like you paint a face on a bag and then stretch that around your face as hard as you can. <laughs> um, some of them look real bad and they're like, they look like, you know, pretty, I mean, this is, we shouldn't harp on this too much, nah, it's... but like, what are, what are some contemporaries that came out around the time that looked better? Cause I feel like they had to exist, you know, in spades. Like, I thought that Half-Life did okay at that, like the scientist faces, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had animation and everything. Like they were anybody who is intended to talk to you, like, mm-hmm. like, like, like g- generally looked better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that would be the most contemporary thing I could think of. Um, I, think, I think so. It is kind of weird. Yeah. Weird Halo had weird animation rigging for their faces, but in general, like the texture looked okay. Mm-hmm. Like you get the sense that like the faces were never intended to move in engine, yeah. and that and that's why they did the graphic novel sections wisely. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and they used the same facial models for those, right? For everything, which is was kind of interesting. And the the lead writer of the game, the name it's Sam something, is the the model for Max Payne. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's the guy who wrote the game, which is, you know, pretty neat. I think he's the voice actor as well. Oh, wow. Which is kind of a weird, uh, that's a not usual multiple role for someone to, to have. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like uh, with Alan Wake, another game this, uh, this this company did. You played Alan Wake, right? I have not. Oh. I have it. It's I, I've got the GOG version of it downloaded. Okay. Or not downloaded, but bought. But I haven't played it yet. I really think you'd like it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I would. It looked it looked really up my alley. Yeah, I just haven't uh, haven't played it yet. Yeah, they, they they did something similar, but they actually had I think it was an actor or somebody around the office. But they but they had live action stuff like you know when Alan Wake was appearing on TV, it was mm-hmm. this guy doing you know making the appearance. So oh that's cool. Yeah, 
that's a, that's a neat idea. Yeah. Um, essentially, though, so and this is going to be kind of like when we do simple platformers, like as far as talking about the the moment to moment gameplay. The reason why we're talking about all these generalities is, is because they're all introduced here right in this first chapter, mm-hmm. and they don't change at all. So. You know, it's a lot of times you're going into a room, there's an enemy layout, a geography layout, and you're just trying to choose how best to, you know, to kill the enemies before they kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're used to one other strategic thing here, which is stun locking enemies. Right, right. Um, which means rate of pi- fire is hugely important. Like, this is one of the only shooters I've ever played where the shotgun is not very empowering. <laughs> the, like, any time you ran out of ammo and one, it would switch you to the pump shotgun mm-hmm. and, like, that like it would immediately like I would just reload because I would be in the middle of the dive or I'd be in the middle of something. And it's like, it's going to take me like five clicks to get away from this thing. And I'm dead by then. Yeah. Yeah. It reloads so slowly and it just doesn't one shot people like shotguns to the stomach. Just don't do it in this game. Right. (laughs) One of the weakest shotguns in the history of shooters. Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But so it ends up making the kind of dual pistol, the dual Berettas you can get Mm -hmm. pretty viable until the mid game. You know, because you can uh, you can sunlock people. So if you just start shooting them, they can't shoot you back. Yeah. Okay. So with with the dual Berettas, did you find yourself clicking repeatedly or holding down the button? I clicked like crazy. Me too. You don't have to. Oh, I <laughs> did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it's it, I don't I don't know. Maybe it speaks to the game, but like this the, this game is very much click on somebody to make them die. But it feels really good in a way yeah. that feels kind of gross. <laughs> there, there's some yeah there, it is i mean we don't need to we'll just play spec ops uh, so that's why he's bringing up can you know uh shooting in, in video games <laughs> in a critical way so the, the uh um and i'm not i'm not kidding that's all true it is true um, because yeah he uh but the one of the things they do to make the shooting feel good and it does feel good like i mean you can we can re-examine you know we're, we're journalists damn it we can <laughs> we have to play this shit um is that when people die, they make a very distinctive scream. Yeah. And there's a, a brief, like, flash on the screen mm-hmm. that's almost, that you almost can't see, but just signals to you, hey, shoot, start shooting the next guy. Right. And you start, like, associating that with success and getting, you know, encouraged by it. Yeah. And stuff. So clearing a room. And then when you clear the last guy in a room in an important chapter, um, he'll get, like, a death cam. Right. And uh, there's a little bit of this game, like, that is like a, like a Tony Hawk where you're doing a perfect run. You know, like getting the perfect way to clear a room and doing executing it flawlessly is like mm-hmm. sometimes really satisfying. Okay, so speaking of analogs and things like that, have you ever played the club? No, I remember seeing the cover a whole lot, but I don't think I ever played it. It looks like a bog standard shooter. However, um, it is very much Tony Hawk with guns. In That's that, cool. In that, it's like a it's like a racing game. It's made by the guys who did Project Gotham, I believe. Yes. Okay. Um, and it's very much like you have a tight circuit that you need to run, and there are enemies along it, and you get points for how either stylishly or technically proficiently you uh, you, you you clear the room. And it's very much meant to be replayed over and over again. I, I can get into that stuff. Yeah. That's uh you know that's essentially how I played. Uh, like the reason why I have more hours doing uh what is it uh left for dead single player yeah then then i do uh you know multiplayer, multiplayer yeah. because i end up doing these kind of like runs like i like it, playing those game kind of games arcade arcade right. style mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i think that's all the generalities until we get some new weapons introduced right i mean cover so we're going to kind of talk through the plot and anything that pops into our head but it's going to be a structurally weird episode yeah because of that
it starts out relatively uninspiring. I mean, it's 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 very it's very standard. The uh, uh, I'm saying standard too much. I'll try and vary that up. Uh, it's it's very uh, rote at this point. You know, it's like a sting gone bad, and it's mobsters and everything. Can we mm-hmm. talk? Like, okay, okay, so like the Italian mob is like the least interesting outside of the Godfather too. The least interesting like construct for they're they're fiction. annoying. I, well, I think that they, you can almost like they're not as overused, but they're as bland as like pirates or zombies yeah. or, uh, you know, any of those things, mm-hmm. you know, d- uh, infected there. You know, anytime you just have like an army of, of soldiers, yeah. you know, it's usually not very interesting. But the thing about the mob is that they're, you know, there are there are good bits of fiction with it, of course. Of course. Yeah. But it doesn't they don't translate well into video games. Right. You know, like, I, can you think of a video game with good? And I haven't played like Mafia, the game Mafia, or anything like that. But if you can, you think of a game, like, what's a game with a good mob presence? Like, that's LA, interesting. La Noir, but that like barely counts. Yeah, there's, there's that. That's not really. I never really <laughs> thought of that as the mob. Yeah, I would almost want to say Grand Theft Auto, but then I think actually no, the mob was pretty uninteresting in that too. Yeah, like the the, the most interesting parts of Grand Theft Auto Four were when you weren't dealing with the Italian mafia. Yeah, the Italian mafia is boring. Yeah. We heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. No, but but uh, like, you know, anytime you're dealing with an army of dudes, yes, that's an interesting. But like you're going after these bosses and they're all like sunglasses dudes who, you know, are talking about, yeah, we got to make it big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a drug score. He's office rocker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of I think part of the game, like it does that because you think that, you know, that's a traditional enemy for the DEA. Right. And then they try to do this reveal that this is bigger than you than you think. Yeah. And then it turns out to be an evil company. Like evil pharmaceutical company is not that much more interesting than evil mafia, <laughs> but it's mildly so. Right. You know, and there's a little bit of color to the mafia in that, like, there are sides playing against each other. And and some of that stuff comes up more in the sequel and a little bit of it comes up here. OK, but but yeah. Um, you find out that the uh, the Puncinello family, uh, not related to the Super Mario RPG boss, um, mm-hmm. they, 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 they're, they're, that'd be a twist. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, that was that. that Max Payne didn't like Super Mario RPG that much either. <laughs> he hates the Punchinello. Yeah, but uh, you're in the subway and you find out that uh, that the Punchinellos have mm-hmm. uh, are they they've they wanted to blow a hole through a tunnel into the vault of a bank. And mm-hmm. uh, they're there kind of, uh, you know, stealing. I think they're there for some of the money, but also for uh, for documents and such. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you you know, you're supposed to meet with your, your partner at some point. Alex. Yeah. Is his name, I think. I'm surprised I remember that. He's Alex Balder. Yeah. Alex Balder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, symbolism. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Alex Balder. And he gets uh, he gets shot. When you're about to meet him, like you have a kind of a, you're meeting him or you see him through a grate and you don't have access to him. Yeah. And he, get, he gets shot. The, the exclamation that Max makes at that point is real goofy. It's like, why? Not like yeah. no or anything. <laughs> at some point, like if, if things had happened to you the way they did, like the, the I don't have a kid. The second I find like my baby's face with like a junkie and stomped it in, <laughs> like I'm no longer asking why. <laughs> like that's just it for me. That's... Like I just, you know, <laughs> like. Well, the universe makes no sense. I'm insane now, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's that's what it is. Like I don't like somebody getting a cop getting shot in a subway full of mobsters. I can tell you why, dude. <laughs> like he was trying to catch the mobsters and they didn't want to get caught. So <laughs> thus he got shot, dum dum. <laughs> it's not that complicated. Yeah. I'm not even sure of why it was his thing, but it was it was really goofy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. But, uh, but the, the, the big takeaway from that is you get framed for it. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're on the run. Yeah. And, uh, and you're, you're going after uh, Lupino and I think you find a note or something that leads to him. Um, you get these kind of, uh, story bits, like you'll walk by a piece of scenery. There'll be an exclamation point over your head and you'll either listen to a news report or read a letter and you'll get these graphic novel cutscenes. Yeah. And, uh, Max starts kind of, he tells you a little bit, he knows about the, you know, the taxonomy of this, this mob gang and these various little mini dons. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. The thing that gets really like kind of unsatisfying about this first chapter is you spend a lot of time in this tenement building and hotel, like, a t- like, uh, a conjoined hotel. Too. Yeah, you do. I, w- yeah. I was thinking during this, this is like chapter three, doing it Bogart. Yeah. And, uh, I was thinking like, boy, hotels are kind of the new sewer level. <laughs> like it's never that fun to be in a hotel other than the town hotel in a uh, day sex, which we'll get to. Like, I love that hotel scene. Right. But for the most part, like this is just an endlessly, like infinitely huge hotel. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, there, there's no hotel this big, <laughs> especially like, not, it, especially not with rocking junkies everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> shut this place down. Um, <laughs> got a bad case yeah. of the junkies up in here. <laughs> exactly. You got to get somebody in to spray for them. <laughs> get the orchid man to come, <laughs> come clean up, clean up your junkie infestation in this place. Um, but yeah, you you uh, you know you go through here. It's got, there are it's just like filthy mattresses that vibrate and junkies everywhere. <laughs> Did you? I always killed the junkies because like when you first run to ones, they're like you know V head junkies can go off without a warning. And I was like, well, I should probably kill those guys. But no, not any of them ever attacked me. Yeah, no, I just I was kinda, just in murder mode at this point. I, like, I, treat, I treated them. You just wanted to see what that gun could do. I treated mm-hmm. them as. Um, as I want to feel like a hero. <laughs> I want to feel like something I wasn't. Um, <laughs> um, you end up. I mean, I just treated them as scenery, uh, mm. you know, like I never shot the rats either. Yeah. Yes, you I just drew that comparison. A, there's <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a weird um, uh, Easter egg with the rats. Did you read about this at all? Um, I just noticed that they were in the kitchen of the restaurant, and I got real like grossed out. The, I'm glad that that little bit of indirect storytelling worked on you. <laughs> um, there's a weird Easter egg. If you glitch yourself or cheat yourself to get a grenade in the first level, uh-huh. and you throw a grenade at a rat, it will kill it, and then more rats will come. Some rats that are on your side and some rats that are on an opposite side, okay. and they'll fight for you. And if your side wins, like you get like a little sound or something. So it's like Willard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a, it's like Pikmin Willard, and like it, it's it's. I've never I've never done it before because I I haven't cheated uh, to give myself a grenade at that point. But it's a real weird little Easter egg. Huh. There's a couple of those that are really cool. Like somewhere near here, I think it's when you're going into the hotel or when you're leaving it. Um, you go to the end of a hall or a, an alleyway, and there's a fence and there's a van driving by. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot the tire on the van, the van stops, and a citizen gets out with a shotgun and starts taking shots at you. <laughs> Like, it's some armed citizen in the weird, like, whatever, 899 guns per 1,000 Americans, <laughs> what have you, is that whatever the stat is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a couple, like, cool little Easter eggs in there. Huh. Yeah. I vibrated all the beds. Oh, of course. I mean, it. it's hard. I was walking around hitting E all the time, just seeing what yeah. I could interact <laughs> with. And, and it's something about shooters from the era, right? Like, even, yeah. even uh, Vampire had a lot of stuff like that where you could turn on faucets and things like that. Yeah, right. and even shooters a little bit before that. That was a big mm-hmm. thing in Duke Nukem 3D. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when people were – like when my friends were like, Duke Nukem 3D, you got to see this. And then like you, you could turn on a sink. And I, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I did that in Maniac Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I turned on every sink in, in Duke Nukem 3D. Yep, pissed in every urinal. Because I have balls of steel. <laughs> um, the, uh, but 
Yeah, I, I clicked on every interactable. The 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 way the beds vibrated reminded me of in The Simpsons where they <laughs> they raced them. The old, yeah, they're the old dryer. <laughs> they're, and they're they're racing the the vibrating dryers. <laughs> um, there's also another. What I was thinking of, there was an actual gag with a vibrating hotel bed where they turned it on but they couldn't turn it off and the beds were just kind of like going away. Homer oh, comes yeah. in and says, we're, we're, you know, we're going back home and they're like sitting on the bed oh, yeah. like right, right about, yay! Come on, stinky. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, they, they name them. Like, yeah. yeah, slimy. <laughs> slimy, um, oh God. Yeah, human slime. <laughs> um. <laughs> He's referring to semen, folks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining like they're just being a huge pile of semen on this bed. Oh, and then God. some investigative reporter is like, looks pretty clean, huh? Let's get out the black light. And then it just like, <laughs> like a stadium light. <laughs> sparks, blinds sparks fly out of the camera. Yeah, it's like pitch black or like, uh, what is it? Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Like you go to the sunroom and put on the sunglasses and just bask and, you know, fries the first layer of skin off your, your the, body. The mixing board catches fire like the bad ending of Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you run into a and here you got in the notes i'm, I'm glad it seems like a real tossed off little detail but it ends up being really plot important later yeah um the room of candy dawn the uh the prostitute is filming her clients yeah yeah and, uh, yeah you it, find a little peephole in there it's it's a neat little puzzle i mean the, the, there are some things that kind of like barely qualify as puzzles but it's weird gates to progress that give you detail about the world because you find mm -hmm. your diary and she says like oh yeah i'm extorting these guys i'm i'm screwing them and you know and then if you pay attention to the painting that's right next to her door or right next to her bed uh, you can see there's a there's a hole in it and then that gives you the tip to open the open the uh, dresser and go mm -hmm. into the go into the secret perv room mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, there's also the first like kind of boss fight in this game like there the boss fights in this game are really weird in that the end, it's, it's stronger versions of regular enemies. There's only mm -hmm. a couple ones that have different move sets, right. um, and they they're not that uh, like if you can, especially early on, they're not that hardy. So you run into the the Finito brothers, um, and they uh, you know they're in a in like a kind of a gambling bar kind of room. Yeah. Or yeah. Do you, are you right? Yeah. You don't. This isn't where you fight them in the bar because that comes a little bit later. Oh yeah. You fight uh, the the guy, the baseball bat guy. Oh, that's and right. That, yeah. That's a real serious boss fight and a big gate for a lot of people who play this game because that's mm -hmm. a hard scene. Yeah. But these guys are not too tough. Like you just kind of do a couple dives and you can kill them. But mm -hmm. if you if anything goes wrong, like they, they can kill you pretty easily. I think that do they have the Uzi? Is that where that gets introduced? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So which is a big deal like that. That it drains ammo like a, you know, a bucket with a hole in it. But <laughs> it, uh, it you know, it kills quick. Uh, it's only good for one or two enemies, but uh, yep. I, I always found like even if it didn't make sense to use the two of them, I did. Yeah, <laughs> the, of course dual, you did. the dual Ingrams because yeah. Max Payne. Um, yeah, it's, because it's, bull because bullets. It's self evident. You want to feel like a hero. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And but, then uh, so then you're fighting more mobsters, right? Yeah, just uh, yeah. Like the, the, this gets real hazy because you because you get out of the apartment building after you get the Finito brothers. You're looking for you know more leads to Lupino. Then you're walking out. Then there's an explosion back in the same hotel building or a building that's yeah. right next to it. And mm -hmm. then you have to go back into it, except the building is uh, is exploding and on fire. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is where, is this where you run through the restaurant? Or that happened? No, that happens that, later. That's later. Um, I, I actually really like that scene. Yeah. This one, uh, one of the things that happens here when you go back is you find the TV show. You get to watch a couple seconds of Lords and Ladies. You know what? I never um, saw that. I, I oh, intended to, but uh, like I was, some, I, I was on the lookout. You sent me a text saying, "Hey, the TV shows are pretty good." I never found them. 
There are, there are fewer of them in this game than I was remembering a lot of them from the second one, and they're actually animated in the second one. Okay. But all of the kind of metafictional things are introduced in this one. Um, Lords and Ladies is a fake soap opera. That's pretty funny. Like, I, like it just, you know, yes, my lady, my lord, my lady. Like, it just, it's, it's, you know, old England soap opera, but when people are ending every sentence with my lord or my lady, and it's called my lord, my lady. And pretty funny. And you uh, get introduced to, I think it's in this hotel or the next hotel. It's in one of the, during this long stretch of hotel that you're in, you run into the, uh, the Twin Peaks knockoff, which is called Address Unknown. Okay. And they do more of this in the second one, but the really clever thing is address unknown is always a metaphorical like representation of what you're doing in the game. Mm-hmm. So like and the second one it gets real crazy. Like the the TV shows, every TV show is commenting on what you're doing through a different lens. Um and it's really really cool and there's a little bit of that in this one. Mm-hmm. But that ends up being really taken to the limit. Yeah. That that's kind of a hallmark for this uh studio too, I'm imagining, mm-hmm. because the same thing happens in Alan Wake with a Twilight Zone knockoff called uh Nightfalls. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like I, yeah. I I'm real weak to that kind of shit. Yeah. I think that's really you know, that's real fun. Yeah. It's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't see those. I feel kind of I feel kinda of bad that I missed out, but you know, I, I'm I'm traditionally me, I'm, I'm not traditionally. I'm very traditional in my views on video games and marriage and things like that. No, I just I I am I'm very I'm very bad at uh, at finding those kind of things. It's weird though because you you are also very diligent and notice like a lot of. It's kind of strange. Like you're like yeah. you notice the rats in the kitchen, <laughs> but didn't like. And this was like a glowing TV with a uh, with people on it instead of static. Right. I'm not I'm not criticizing you or anything. I'm just kind of surprised you didn't find it. I know, right? That's mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> I can't explain it either. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You, you go back into the you go back into this, uh, um, and it's kind of neat because it's it's weird deforming terrain, like mm-hmm. the uh, you know walls are falling down and there's explosions and I forget mm-hmm. if this is where there are timed hallways or not, but there know. are um, yeah there are and there mm-hmm. there is this is also where you're blowing up you are uh, shooting air like compressed air or compressed gas canisters to <laughs> yeah. clear the way some of and my favorite just, deaths <laughs> yeah they just turn into like missiles like immediately <laughs> and uh yeah the first time that happens i died several times yeah <laughs> it's it slows down it gives you plenty of chance to jump away <laughs> but, yeah but sometimes it's like i'm just like i don't need to jump i'm not there's no bad guys here to shoot <laughs> um yeah. yeah yeah but uh yeah this this is also hazy to me <laughs> It, it gets more defined later. It's yes, just kind it of weird that they start out with the first part being so just hotel and mob, yeah. like all of the, you know, colorless gray goo that video games are made out of all in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple fun parts here later, like where you go through and the uh, one of the things that happens is like a lot of times the mobsters are having meta conversations as well, like dorky, tropey. Like this is kind of a funny game. And it's one yeah. of the things like when I say that it was lost in the third one, like there like I'm not going to say there were, you know, I, I was cracking up but there are some definite like smile out loud moments mm-hmm. in uh in this game and one of the things you run across some some mobsters that are trying to wire a uh, a bomb and they're arguing about which wire to cut and then you just hear a huge explosion you know <laughs> um which i why it's in a, end up liking and eventually you end yeah. up confronting gogniti who has like the worst voice <laughs> can, 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 can i can i give my 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 favorite my, my favorite part of that red red blue green wire thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so the bomb blows up and the and the wall is structurally weak you go to open the door and then the wall falls oh, down yeah. around the door yeah. it's, like, yeah, it's like a buster keaton <laughs> yeah exactly <Thing. laughs> yeah. Like, that was my favorite thing in the game i think yeah it's real it's real goofy like this game has such like a man I, like somebody out there who has played number three tell me if it's worth playing if like I like that shit in this one because right. that just looked like the saddest, most serious 
thing I've ever seen. And this yeah. is not a serious game by any means. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Don uh, Needy, he's got a really obnoxious voice, <laughs> and you do a, a really long chase. Yeah, Gogniti, he's kind of like uh, the the Salazar equivalent in Resident Evil Five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Extreme makeover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I re- I really fucking hate this chase scene. Yeah, it's it's well, it's it's huh. there there are parts <laughs> that are like <laughs> I. I I want to laud them every time they break away from the gameplay and try to do something new. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I always, I want to encourage that. And sometimes I legitimately think it works a little bit later. This doesn't, but I want it. If like, let's say, cause this is, they introduce guys on like opposite rooftops shooting at you and everything. And it'd be kind of fun if you like, we're just running and dodging, but the, the, you, you don't really have a time limit. So the best way to do it is like take cover, shoot people across the roof with like weapons with really limited accuracy. Mm-hmm. And just make it as safe as possible and continue. So it just ends up kind of slowing the pace down in a chase scene. Right. Like you're, you're still confronting every room. But if like let's say you had a time limit and they designed the enemies a little different. So you had to like kind of run through or you had to take some hits or you had to dodge. Like it might be kind of fun to have this like frantic chase. Mm-hmm. Instead, it just like it just makes the, you know, the pace just feels really, really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one point where it depends on you recognizing that a door was locked before because your chase kind of doubles yeah. back on some to some some places where uh, you had already been. <clears throat> and um, because the pathing is so uh, um, or, or the, the, the route that he takes is so unapparent, uh, mm-hmm. I, I ended up going back down to ground level uh, through the laundromat and thinking, where the fuck did he go? When in reality, they're just he, he went through a door that I didn't pay attention to before. Yep. And to be fair, the game rarely does that. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's usually very apparent where to go next. Right. Um, And usually you can tell when you're backtracking because you start seeing bodies. (laughs) Um, You know, it's 100% true. Later on, there's an area where you start, you had to backtrack a lot. And I'm like, oh, I'm going the wrong way. There are dead people here. (laughs) So. But, uh, yeah, he he pulls a cloud and he jumps on top of a moving train to get away. Like gut shot. Like he's gut shot this (laughs) entire time. It's kind of (laughs) crazy. A little bit. My understanding is that hurts. Yeah. Kaylee um, almost dies in the in the pilot of Firefly because of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Gut shot, man. It's yeah. serious. This is also where uh, grenades start. There are grenades in the. There's one grenade in the subway. Um, but this is when they start showing up with some frequency. And this is one uh, 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 what I would call like an unequivocal failing of the game. In that, uh, th- that just has to do with numbers. Mm-hmm. Like grenades just don't cook long enough. So it's very rare that you hear the telltale like bounce of a grenade and can get away in time. Yeah. Like, if you're not spamming quick save and quick load, I don't know how you're playing through these grenades. Like, can you imagine if you had to start at the beginning of the level every time you got blown up by a grenade? It'd be the worst. Yeah, like, you, we wouldn't play the game. We would stop, <laughs> be stopping right here and right. just be like, you know, Later. well, fucking sort of mana, you know. <laughs> and it, it would be it would be like that. So, you, I mean, you really have to abuse that, that quick save uh, mechanic, um, specifically because of grenades. And yeah. I like the idea of like every once in a while, like the enemies are setting traps for you. They're getting smarter. They're setting mm-hmm. up defensive positions. It's all stuff I like in video games, but I feel like you just need longer to get away. And the radius for grenades needs to be cut down a little bit. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it reminds me of, of uh, Half-Life one grenades, honestly, where you hear the, the, the tinkle tinkle of it hitting on the pavement and then boom, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it just, it, it feels like that to me. And I, I yep. like, I like that game, but I tend to quick save and quick, quick load through that too. So yeah. yeah. And that game had checkpoints that were much more frequent. Yeah. than this, like, if you weren't quick saving, like these chapters are kind of, some of them are kind of long. Right. So the, uh, I mean, not long in the world of video games. Like, I don't think any of them last longer than 
you know, 40 minutes at the tops or a half hour. Right. But the uh, not, you know, I don't want to replay anything for a half hour. Yeah. If right. I can help it. And that's because I'm spoiled yeah. because it's it's 2013. And, and it's and it's one of those things where, like, I don't know how I feel about uh, grenade indicators in modern games where it puts up the, uh, mm. the, the, the arrow to where it's from. But mm. like going back to this, it makes me appreciate that. It's it's a, it feels like a necessary evil. Right. Like, it's kind of dumb that you just have this grenade dar. Yeah. But if you're going to have grenades, like you kind of need a way to know to get away from it. I, I mean, it kind, of, it kind of makes sense because, you know, it, it's putting the person's instinct into the interface because kind of like, OK, dude, you know, dude with guns. I know roughly what direction I'm getting shot from. And then it kind of like it makes sense for the I heard the sound think, from over in this direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, OK, I need to fucking run. Yeah. So that, but I mean, it, it's, it's never fun for me, though. Like, it makes sense, like, in a narrative sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing a, a shooter and then people are throwing grenades at you to, like, flush you from cover. Mm-hmm. But I always, it always just feels like a nuisance. Like, okay, I need to run to a new cover spot now. When it's done real um, well, like, they're, they're doing that specifically to tell you to move your ass because staying in one place isn't going to, like, do you any good. No, I mean, I get I get that. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm usually doing fine staying in that one place. Like, oh, it's this yeah. weird, like, the game kind of, like, you know, I'm not stuck. I'm not in a wall that, at that point. Okay. You know, yeah. like I'm just kind of being more methodical than maybe the game wants me to be. Mm-hmm. It's this weird kind of enforced pacing. Right. You know, which is fine. I mean, games are putting you through motions. It's supposed to enforce pacing. But mm-hmm. I find that I play, you know, I play games much more methodically than I guess they're intended to be, as evidenced by this chase thing. And then uh, Spec Ops, which we keep bringing up because we both <laughs> been playing recently. But my teammates in that game are always way ahead of me. Right. Like I'm not pushing into enemy territory nearly as aggressively as they are. Right. So, which leads to you shooting them a bunch, but yeah, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. They're okay. They just, they just like, I mean, it's silly that Max Payne, like we could probably talk about painkillers at some <laughs> right point now. in this game and that's silly, but is it any more silly than just the modern shooter? Like if you just stand still a moment, you're fine. That's not like, I think it actually, I think it's actually better than right, that. Right. And the painkillers is not like it immediately makes you better. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it, there, there's like this weird reverse bleed on your health regen. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, I like the I mean, I like the idea that Max is so is like, you know, near death at the end of this. He's just pushing on because, you know, the same way like a unethical college football coach might give, uh, you know, a player with a sprained ankle, you know, a bunch of speed. Bunch of, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, might buy him a prostitute for his birthday. The, um, no, I mean, like might give him pain reliever so he can still play. Like right. He's just so, so driven. Mm-hmm. So. but you get gogniti uh i forget how his encounter actually goes but it just feels good to finish the job yeah he just gives up he gives up his boss oh yeah yeah at the end and then i then you shoot him i'm pretty sure like you just murder him yeah yeah so you know he begs you not to which i'm fine with you know that's you're on a vengeance quest none of us are saints yep exactly (laughs) i think there's kind of a weird like shift so like the game shifts to a new area but only for a brief time where you're investigating a club that uh lupino owns Right. Call a club Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, Text. <God>. Liminal. <laughs> Super liminal. I'm just picturing um, like a, you know, break in case of emergency where inside the case is a hammer labeled symbolism and outside the case is a hammer labeled symbolism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Break in case of not emergency. Just, like, break. Just, just break. Break just because. <clears throat> yeah. Just here's a gift wrapped hammer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this so- is a, I like actually like these two levels. Me too. Um, yeah, this is cool because the uh, and and I, I actually kind of like the weird like the occult zig and zag in this. Me too. It's not the point of it, but like 
I just like the idea of this guy who's gone too far. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like what it is, is it's a mobster with actual character. Right. You know, he's got a motivation that isn't just like, you know, I had to serve the dawn, you know, <laughs> it's like so, so I forget. Is it implied that he is just like so, so he, he's so down on substance V that he's like um, just <laughs> seeing beyond reality or that's the, I think that's the idea. And the yeah. uh, there's a couple of cool things that come from. So that's the idea. It also is teasing at all of the, you know, uh, kind of supernatural stuff that they tease at in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like they never really conclusively say whether, you know, what exactly happened in a lot of places. And there's these kind of like hints that it could be some kind of uh, spiritual or magical thing. And characters will say things even down to like Max talking about how he's surviving all these bullets and stuff. Right. Like, there, you know, there's weird little nods to that. And uh, this is kind of one of those. Um, but it's just I think the the point of this is to show you how big of a deal V is. Right. And uh, yeah, and create like a, a boss fight that makes sense that is a little bit more challenging than the previous boss fights and makes sense within the narrative. Because yeah. what you end up learning about V ends up making this guy's behavior make perfect sense. Right, right. Because yeah. it like it gives you visions of death. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a combat drug. Right. Like spoiler. But it's a combat drug designed for the military that allows you that makes you go crazy, gives you visions of death and makes you really hardy. Right. And you're going through this guy's nightclub. Where he has, you know, he has all these occult, you know, pentagrams drawn on the floor and ancient books and shit. And, uh, you know, all of the symptoms of V are, mm-hmm. are what's defining this guy at this point. Right, right. So he's an IT guy with a face tattoo. Um, yeah, he's got, a, he's got a real mullet. He looks like, um, what's his head from uh, the Walking Dead comic? The guy who's manufacturing bullets now? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. I, yeah, I, I kind of looked like that guy a little bit. I forget his name. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... He's 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 making invocations to various gods, including uh, comically. How do you how do you say? Uh, I say Cthulhu, but like I think that you're supposed to say like Cthulhu. Yeah, I, I, like I, know, I know how you're supposed to say it, but he says it real weird. Yeah, he he's a, he like he de-emphasizes the C. He's like Cthulhu. Like yeah, yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Um, you find the Necronomicon mm-hmm. in in his uh, apartment too, and he's got like uh, you know Malus Maleficarum and all the. Cool ancient text. Mm-hmm. I give Gary a big game boner. <laughs> um, and it's a hard fucking boss fight. Like it's yeah. an arena. Um, it's like a lot of the boss fight kind of stagings in this are just kind of, you know, let's send a bunch of soldiers at you. Mm-hmm. This one has a little bit of that as a precursor to this guy coming out with a, a shotgun and being tough as nails. Right. And you have kind of limited ability to get away from him. Like this took me a lot of tries. Yeah. You, you can't break his poise. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Yeah, exactly. Like he's, he's too hopped up on V to, uh, to stomach him at all. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Like, like the crazy thing about the, about the enemy rush part is that they're coming from all directions too. In mm-hmm. most areas of the game, you kind of like know roughly where things are coming from. In this, you have to always be on the move and always keeping your back to a wall because yep. they're coming from above you. They're coming from every direction around you. Um, yep. And so like, it's really easy to be caught off guard and just die. Yep. 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 Yeah. But eventually you, you beat him and you get the, like what I can't remember the exact, like the next clue. Uh, like Mona comes in. Uh, what's oh, her yeah. what's her name? Like a, she, Mona Sachs. 
Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Max identifies her as the as Don Pichinella's wife, but uh, you know she comes in and does the whole uh, um, femme fatale thing. Says, "Oh, I'm her evil twin." Another noir thing. Um, yeah. You know the the mistaken identity, um, and then mm-hmm. she pours you some whiskey, and Max is like, "Yeah, I'll drink this liquid you're giving me, lady," and then yeah. he passes <laughs> out. Never a good idea. And you do the first uh, dream sequence, which like these two dream sequences are one of the big things this game is remembered for. Yeah. Rightful, uh, rightfully so, except with one major gripe that I have. But what is, what, let's let's talk about the dream sequence. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love the way that it begins, like where you're in his house, but like you're walking down these uh, huge telescoping hallways. Take a shot, House of Leaves. Um, <laughs> but no, it's real cool. You're like you're, you're you're trying to follow the audio cues um, to mm-hmm. to you know because it's a maze, and you have this awesome like dilation of space to where stuff that's nearby you is real close, like 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 on your periphery on the sides. But then the end is really, really stretched far away. I like mm-hmm. that part a lot, although <clears throat> I have to make a gripe here. The in-engine stuff is not subtitled. There are no subtitles nor options for subtitles in the game. Ah, uh, yeah. And I don't know how you would be able to play this if you didn't have speakers or couldn't hear. The, uh, the way you do it is the... Um, if you don't have, like, a, the, the stereo things, so you can hear something is to your right. Mm-hmm. You can hear that it gets... If you're facing it, it will be like unarguably louder okay so it gives you it reduces your ability to detect it but you still have it and that's why i ended up doing okay because i don't i don't know if my hearing is not so great but i wasn't playing with headphones so i and i don't have ster- like a stereo system set up on my computer right so um you know i couldn't hear something was to my right or left i would just kind of rotate until uh until it was loud yeah it's a relatively direction. it's a relatively small maze excepting the, the how the hallways get longer as you go down them yeah it um, looks longer than it is yeah and the narrative parts are, are cool too, but the, uh, the, the the nerve bridges, like the platforming, I mm-hmm. really, really don't like those. The trails of blood? Yeah. The, uh, I, I remember not liking them. This time I didn't find them that big of a deal. I don't know exactly why. I think part of it is I realized like they're a little wider than they look. Yeah. You know, it's like probably like the invisible platforms and the, the crystal caves where mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, I am always really gun shy about them, but you actually have a pretty wide variance. Yeah, yeah. I like they, they they were wider than I expected them to be, but I still found myself like getting like one or two degrees off on my forward movement, and then just whoop down I go. No, oh, okay. um, it's especially bad in the second one where you're expected to do more jumps. Yeah, and you um, do more. It's like multi-level, like yeah. you're doing some vertical jumps in that one, and that is tough. Yeah, and the jumping is is different. It's weird in this one. Jumping in the game proper, it's real quick. It's almost useless. Jumping in this one, you're like you're you're neo jumping. You're, you're jumping like uh, in uh, what is what is that PS One um, jumping flash? Yeah, like yeah, you're jumping like that weird PS One frog robot game. <laughs> it's almost exactly like that. Like you're doing, and that's kind of a good way to do platformers in this way because you can look under yourself, right? And kind of thing, but it is tough. Like right. it is, it is. I definitely this was a major frustration my first time around in the game, right? So. But uh, that, like that, that that's my only complaint about the dream dream sequences. Yeah. I think that but, they're pitch perfect in the tone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, narratively everything, but yeah, that like the, 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 the blood trails, I, I saw them as nerve bridges for some reason. Yeah. Uh, really, Which also, really also cool. Me. Like that yeah. he's walking on a nerve, like it's, it's super noir. Yeah. Um, the, uh, this is where they start introducing the doubt as to what, whether you killed your, your wife, like she starts apologizing, you know, like, and she's like, I'm not gonna say she's a good voice actress, but there is something visceral about just like the, like, no max, please. I'm sorry. Like this. You know, while you're while you're doing this stuff, that like kind of yeah. worked on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say I cried like when Aerith died, but I, it, <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's 
pretty heart wrenching, you know. Yeah. Um, he could also just be internalizing it, like he blames himself for it. Otherwise, no, that's, that, that's, he that's why be, I think it is. Yeah, that's the conclusion I come to. But I think mm-hmm. that this is his subconscious, you know, coming out and saying that, and it gets more explicit, and it is because he blames himself. Right. Because of course he does. Yeah, you know, it's like survivor's guilt, and he's a cop, mm-hmm. and she was trying to warn him about this weird thing that happened that day. That if he had investigated, it could have saved her life. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you wake up from that into like the worst thing. <laughs> I hate this part. This is this is yeah. This is a tough part. They do the thing where they take away all your weapons, mm-hmm. um, and you've been tied down and tortured by this. Uh, what is the name of the guy? Um, I don't know. I always call him Baseball Bat Boy. Yeah, Baseball Bat Boy. And he, you've seen him before. Like he's a mob enforcer, tough. And his calling card is he leaves a Captain Baseball Bat Boy comic mm-hmm. in and people's thing. Captain Baseball Bat Boy is another in-universe thing. There's a cartoon of it in the second one. Right. Um, and. You know, you have this kind of verbal, uh, you know, back and forth with this guy that I kind of enjoy. Mm-hmm. But then you only have a baseball bat when you escape. Right. And uh, that's really tough because <laughs> you've been relying on shoot, shoot dodges. Yeah. You know, like slow motion jumps this entire time. And that does not work with a baseball bat. Nope. And your swing with a baseball bat's real silly. <laughs> yeah. Like really quick and really like, <laughs> he swings it from his elbow, which is which is really yeah. weird. Yeah, that, that's not you're not gonna get any power there. Yeah. You're never gonna make the big leagues pain. All, all your power comes from your hips, pain. Come on. Yeah, come on, pain. You should be the third base coaches for Max Payne. And now batting for the New York Mets. <laughs> the Max Mars- Payne. Yeah. <laughs> New York Mets. Um <laughs> The, yeah, but this yeah. is really hard. And once you start getting some weapons, it's better. Yeah. But it, it's getting to that point is kind of tricky. I re- and they tell you to avoid enemies, and I never did. I just rushed the first one. You can't stealth. Like, like you, your crouch doesn't do anything. And yeah. the second that you hit the first guy, everybody in the area knows exactly where you are, and that's something yep. that happened. Yep. You know? Even if he didn't shoot a, you know, fire off a shot. Right. You know, it, it, it's pretty frustrating. And it's frustrating because Max tells you to be stealthy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to have to stealth on these guys. I'm like, oh, shit, a stealth section. Yeah. Well, it's not really a stealth section. It's a regular section where you have no weapons. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Um, like, at least, I don't know. I, again, the uh, the Hotline Miami section or comparison comes up. Like, yeah. it, 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 it's, it, it's Hotline Miami, but without any recourse if things don't go right. Like, you can't right. quickly dip back into a safe area and wait for them to come to you. Yep, yep, yep. And yeah, it ends up being, this is hard. Like I said, once you get a weapon, it's a little bit better and you're abusing quick leaving, quick, uh, quick leaving. It's going to leave this like, yeah, just going to leave. Gonna get like, this board really. Yeah. <laughs> you just need, I, I need a, I need a table leg real quick. So, okay. <laughs> there you um, go. The, I need a baseball bat. Yeah. I need to lay the baseball bat. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ticket. Um, yeah. The, uh, but you're, you're just quick saving, quick loading so much that like the consequences are really low. But one of the things about Hotline Miami that makes that mechanic work is that it's instant and automatic. Right. So you die, you press one button, and you're immediately back. This one, you have a little bit of loading screen and stuff, and that really adds up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's only a couple seconds, but you do it so many times that it becomes a real frustration. Yeah, really, really, really bugged me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you so, so so you get out of this basement area and you get up to the bar slash casino again. It runs together, mm-hmm. and you actually you you take out Baseball Bat Boy yourself, um, which is a, a major difficulty wall for like a lot of people. Yeah, like this is a tough boss fight. He has an Uzi, which mm-hmm. there hasn't been a boss with an Uzi yet. Right. And uh, but it's kind of ameliorated by the fact that you have this built-in choke point. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and you probably have a couple grenades at this point, so you can use that to thin out some guys. Right. Um, and that's what I ended up doing was just kind of opening the door to let them know I was there, backing up, waiting, you know, waiting a couple seconds and throwing a grenade at the door. And, uh, you know, several mobsters would try to get in or on yeah. the other side of the door. And then I could just go in and take care of uh, baseball bat guy and the lady who's kind of uncomfortably giving him a blowjob when you come in. <laughs> God. Yeah. The gender politics in this game aren't great. Yeah. It's uh, well, a film noir. Yeah. Film noir. Like, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. But Bill uh, Maher. Bill Maher. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. It applies. It applies to it's anything, one of the really. new no nos. <laughs> um. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you get out of this bar, and you know you're kind of wondering what's next, or you're you know you're you're trying to figure out how you can get at the uh, the you know Don Punchinello, um, mm-hmm. and you, you end up falling in with the Russian mob, Vladimir. Uh, you mm-hmm. know who you've seen a couple of times before. His Mercedes has been like the the harbinger of despair because he's usually followed by explosions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I really like Vladimir. Yeah, he uh, he's he's good. He's he's a big player in the second one. So, I, see, I like, was hoping. I was hoping that yeah. that would be the case. Because he in this one, he's like kind of like I kept expecting, you know, uh, to like do a level or team up with him or something. And none of that stuff happens mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of like an actual ally, which is really rare. Yeah. Like he's yeah. real self-aware. Like the like the title is or the, the chapter is titled an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. And like he's kind of like, oh, I'm a real big boss guy now. Let's have some vodka. <laughs> Motherland, you know, like so he's very yep. stereotypical, but it's but it's super goofy, and it's just kind of like Max yeah. even comments like he's a bad guy with rules, and that's as close to a good guy as you can get. Yeah, the, the racial sensitivity is not great in the game, <laughs> but that's Bill Maher. So. <laughs> also vaccinations, um, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but his whole point is he if you uh, go free this tanker mm-hmm. from control of of uh, a mini boss. You, uh, uh, he'll give you all the weapons you can use, which like I wanted to explain to him at this point, like, look, I can only carry 60 bullets. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a lot of weapons, my friend, like, well, this is like, not really necessary. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, just give me the, the gun and I'll take this, I'll take this Punchinello guy or the, the, uh, the rifle and I will take this Punchinello guy out so you can like take over power in New York. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. 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 Because really your only takeaway is you, you get the, you, you get a couple of assault rifles. Right. Which to be fair. Really like that is the best weapon in the game. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the Colt army or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. That thing, that thing's great. Mm-hmm. It's like super accurate, super high rate of fire. Yeah. And then once you start, this is something that they do with the weapons in this game. And it's kind of a shooter trope, but I noticed it really heavily in this one is they introduce a weapon as kind of a special item, uh, like a couple levels before they start be, you know, being regularly carried by enemies. Mm-hmm. So you get the Uzi first. You can't, uh, you have to be ginger with it because you're not finding uh, tons of refills for it. Right. And for a couple levels. And then, you know, you start running guys carrying it. Same thing with this. So, like, when you first get this, you don't want to blow it right away because you've got a few, you've got quite a while before you start getting a reliable source of this. Right. It just kind of becomes like a boss killer or like a really tough room. Mm hmm. So. Yeah. So, so you, so you go on this kind of, uh, not wild goose chase because it's successful. You're going after this guy named Dime. Uh, who is, you know, commandeered this tanker. Uh, you go through another uh, kind of video game trope. So what is it about <laughs> what is it about <laughs> early 2000 shooters where it's like everything needs to be industrial? Because it's like easy do- to do. docks, I mean, like even Deus Ex, like docks, tankers. I, I understand that it's easy to do, limited color palette, et cetera. This just runs the gamut and it feels like, I don't want to say dated. It just feels like a like a cross section, like a core sample of of like what shooters were because you go to like foundries later on and then there's yeah. <laughs> and a lab yeah and then a corporation yeah 
it's like and and it doesn't one of the things i liked about the the nightclub level was it kind of broke that up like we right. talked about like the power of contrast like you know the painted world kind of thing where it's like oh now all of a sudden i'm in a snow area you know or the sanctuary or what have you in fallout mm-hmm. 3 um and this game only barely touches on that and it would have been really cool if they did it mm-hmm. and you know that's kind of what the dream sequence levels do and right. they do more of that in the second one like, there is a I, you know, I, I can't imagine that you're so hungry for Max Payne that you're like chomping at the bit to play the second one. I will say the second one has uh, one of my favorite levels of this vintage where you're going through like whatever the enemy is has taken over a uh, uh, like a fun house or like a theme park ride. You know? oh, so wow. you're going through this thing where like there are, you know, pop ups and haunted house things at the same time. They're actually real threats okay. coming through and it's really fun. Yeah. And then you kind of go in the guts of it. It's really cool. Like, it's a really cool level. Hmm. Um, the second one is better about having some spicing up, whereas this is yeah. just like, you know, just a generic list of it's like a mid 90s fighting game. Like a 2000 <laughs> shooter had all the same places that you fought in like Eternal Champions. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I understand that it's kind of a function of the of the setting. I mean, New York, but like, give me like a like a farmer's market or give me, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> give me the Museum of Natural History, for God's sake. Yeah. The, Not, the reason why they don't I mean, they don't want you to shoot civilians. That's you true. know, they don't want to set, bring that in. It's like but, the, but the you're kids in the middle of the blizzard. Everybody's every, like everybody's inside. Yeah. Yeah. They could have done. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Perfect time for a farmer's market. You know, New York and its <laughs> famous January farmer's markets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just the frozen watermelon from Yoshi's Island, like over and over. Um, uh, so, yeah. Anywho, you kill, you kill Dime. Mm-hmm. Um, you get that, that good weapon. And you go to uh, probably my favorite chapter of uh, this this part, mm-hmm. which is called uh, Putting Out My, my Flames with Gas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Punchinello invites you to the restaurant. And, you, you know, you say, like, I know this is a trap. Like, but what can I do, right. you know, at this point? And it is a trap, but not, you know, not in a bunch of mobsters kind of way, but in a, he's blowing up his own restaurant <laughs> to, uh, to get you. And it becomes this kind of fire escape mm-hmm. portion. Yeah. I love this aesthetically. I love it thematically. It's really, it's really, really neat. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I found myself um, not understanding where the kill zones were. I, I mean, I know the you don't don't walk into fire, you dipshit. But uh, <laughs> but just kind of like I just I just find myself dying a lot in this. It's a uh, it's the kill zones are weird because there's no heat right. in the game. There's just fire. <laughs> so if you touch fire, you set fire and die. You can get really close to fire though, without and that makes it counterintuitive. Um, you know, again, I just quick save at the beginning of every room yeah. and then try to make a way through it. That's ultimately you know, what I ended up doing, but like yeah. it took the tension out of it for me. And this was obviously supposed to really build the tension, yeah. right? Again, it's a little bit more successful than the rooftop chase, yes. where it's like that it was just constantly full of enemies that you have to deal with the same way you dealt with every enemy in the game. Mm-hmm. This one's a little bit more successful than that, I think. Yeah. Um, there, was al- I ended up, yeah. there was also, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, there was also a room where uh, you you walk in and like the, the floor is cracked. Uh, so, you know, like, okay, something bad's going to happen here. So like I walked in, you know, triggered the explosion, walked back out, walked back in, and then it exploded again and like threw a, threw a filing cabinet into me. Oh, <laughs> and, that, that, that never happened to me. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just kind of like, okay, I was like, okay, I, like, because that, that's, that makes sense, right? You walk in like, oh shit, better leave here. Hear the explosion, mm-hmm. walk back in, think, okay, it's going to be safe. What they want you to do is just back up further into the room. Yeah, like you know, because there's a little bit of hallway like left back there. But it was like the perpetually exploding foul cabinet that had a grudge against me. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. I, I didn't have any like serious see the string moments. Yeah, with this. 
Um, other than the fact that I was just abusing quick save and quick load, even though like I didn't end up doing it that many times, like I feel like once I got the hang of it and remembered that like there's no such thing as heat mm-hmm. in Max fi- Max Pain, um, Max Fire. There, there, there's uh, no such thing as heat on the Max Fun Network. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bring the heat, Thorn. Um, <laughs> but the uh, I, I ended up kind of getting through it in one, you know, one or two runs. Mm-hmm. So okay. Meh. I'm I'm making a you know I'm I'm making more of it than it probably is. It just you, had, you're it, you're fine. It's it's objectively a flaw. Like the <laughs> fact that I had to spam quick save and quick load in this game, like is probably a bad thing about the game. It just meant that in spite of that, I ended up having a lot of fun with it. You're right. I negate myself know? too much. Um, but uh, I, the, this is where I noted the uh, the rats, and then mm-hmm. it turns into a sewer level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you don't spend that much time in the sewer level. Right. Right. Like, like, like it's teasing. It's like, you've seen the tanker, you've seen the hotel, you've seen the subway. Now, sewers are just subways for shit. Like it's not even, like, for shit and mutant ninja turtles. Yeah, exactly. Of all ages. Like, We're not yeah. exclusive. <laughs> like, yeah, adult mutant ninja turtles. Elderly mutant ninja turtles. <laughs> That's a good idea. Cracked Magazine 1996, here we come. Are you hiring? <laughs> Oh, you're a website now? Fuck. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> um, oh, man, nothing uh, good happens on the internet. Uh, <laughs> the top five bad things that happen on the internet. <laughs> the, uh, so so now we're going to the mansion, and this is uh, this is pretty tricky. Yeah. And the, the big point is that uh, you're fighting the three. Mm-hmm. And it's his three biggest mobsters. So it's three of those little mini boss areas. Right. In this mansion. This mansion is also bigger than any mansion in the world. <laughs> um, it's so fucking huge and so many locked doors. Yeah. Um, this bugs me because of like the, the uh, gosh, I ever use this word, the critical path through it. Like it just kind of like it, so many artificial gates, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need to kill this guy for this door to unlock. And, and like, uh, again, it was like the chase area where it was places that I'd been before and kind of like, okay, this wasn't a door before, um, mm-hmm. but now it is. And I need to just like think to go back there. And what that, what, what that functionally means is I am just circling and circling, backtracking, looking for, the way forward right yeah this is this is one of the first areas that really confused me with the with the navigation yeah and uh it happens more a little bit later um but this yeah this was not this was a pretty frustrating level yeah for me and it's a short part too there's a weird pacing thing where the long part of the first part of this game or first third of it is this like unending hotel nightmare mm-hmm. the second part you know has a couple of good set pieces but it's really short and then the third part is like very long again right. um the big kind of reveal here plot wise though is that there there are like these government agents and stuff that are involved now as well. Right. They're, they're not explicitly government agents at this point. They're just kind of men in black, you know, they're in yeah. suits, which is the government uniform, <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah. Um, but and, uh, and I guess they're not actually working for the government, but they seem like, I mean, some kind of heavy, you know, something, yeah. a non mob presence. Yeah. The upper echelon. Yeah. 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 But uh, this is where you, uh, this is where you meet Nicole Horn. Like she comes in, you know, Punchinello, he's not giving, he's not putting up a fight anymore. And mm-hmm. then she comes in and, you know, cleans up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And she gives you an overdose dose of Valkyr. Yes. Which is a, you know, a cool thing. And that gives you an even crazier dream sequence. <laughs> um, yeah. Which uh, again, I really like, we talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but it has the, the really, the kind of famous meta bit yeah. where uh, Max Payne realizes that he's in, you know, a medium, which like, again, that's a real cliche. I'm real weak to it. Yep. You know, I, I, I like it when people realize they're in a fiction. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think my favorite part about that is the uh, is the visual gag in the, yep. in the graphic novel, where in, in panel one he's holding a phone, but in the next panel he's holding his gun. Yeah, <laughs> up to his yep. ear. Yeah, I yep. don't know. I like that. And then I like the uh, when he's the video game. They're just showing, you know, they're showing him like looking at his uh, display of weapons yeah. up at, up at the top of the screen, mm-hmm. you know, um, real cool. Like, I, I like that. Yeah. And the, the end of this kind of thematically, you know, this they're they're piling on the guilt even more at this point. And when you when you get to where your wife is killed, you're actually standing there yeah. having done it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to murder, murder him, symbolizing uh, release of your guilt. Blah, 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 blah. It's not. <laughs> I, I just saw that as killing the old you. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's, kind of there's no, yeah. There's, I'm not gonna conjecture as what it symbolizes. You still feel guilty as shit. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, this is part three, a little closer to heaven, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this is where you, you you understand kind of who the real bad guy is here. Uh, all the cards aren't on the table just yet, but you have yeah. a good lead. Yeah, right? this is where the the game starts revealing its kind of macro plot, mm-hmm. and the uh, right when you go out, um, you know, uh, Thorn uh, Horn says. Uh, uh, that damn Max Fun thing again. Um, Horn says, uh, "Bring me to Cold Steel." Yeah, and uh, and you know to check that place out, and you, yeah. you know you have this advantage. They think you're dead, and uh, but of course you fight more dudes. Yep, um, they they don't think that you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, with a couple neat things that happen in this, but mostly uh, pretty samey. Yeah, yeah. So Cold Steel, she's talking about this foundry where they've kind of set up shop. There's a lab underneath it, which you eventually discover. Um, they're obviously hiding something because this area is loaded with laser trip mines. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. they introduce these things, which are it just means, you know, look around before you go into a room. Yeah. And mercifully, there aren't that many rooms where there are bad guys and laser trip mines. Right. You know, it tends to be one or the other. So mm-hmm. it's like I was expecting to have to dodge enemies and accidentally jump into laser or trip mines, but that mm-hmm. doesn't really happen. Yeah. Um, this is where the enemies are, are much tougher, but they all carry the Colt. So mm-hmm. you can start using that consistently. And this is where I started using the regular uh, bullet time because I would you know, run into a room, get behind a pillar. You know, there'd be a guy on a platform and a guy across the room. And I would, you know, use the regular bullet time to take them out right. because you can't survive very much of that Colt. Right. Yeah, I, th- this this is where it start. Like before, it was a little bit you know absurd how many bullets could take. But hey, shooter! Like in this, it's like I've emptied two Beretta clips into this guy, and he's still yeah. down. This and, is the point where Beretta becomes unuseful. Yeah. Like you have to upgrade to something at this point, or you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's kind of a weird thing to be able to use the beginning pistols for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're definitely outclassed here. Yeah. Even shotguns, like, you know, we were saying it's not very empowering. A shotgun should be able to, you know, at least incapacitate somebody like that. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it just, it just really bugged me how they, the, the, their, their way of making this more difficult was to make them bullet sponges. Yep. 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 Yeah. They're, they're not well-designed, uh, mm-hmm. enemies. Um, right. and I mean, if you're using Uzi or you're using the Colt, like you'll get through it, but the ammo for those things is limited. You can only hold so much of it. Like I'll put down my brothers to hold like three more Uzi clips. Right. You know, like it gets, it gets, it gets silly. Mm-hmm. Um, that respect. Um, yeah. eventually you go into the kind of the foundry that leads to the, the umbrella esque lab. And, uh, what did you think of, I ended up liking the sequence a lot where you're on the mine cart and you're going through the fire and shooting the mines that are in your way. Yep. Yeah, I like that. 
that was yeah. that was neat. It was a nice change of pace. Um, I, it, it was a it was a nice uh, way to use the bullet time to your advantage in a in kind of a, a non not non conventional but just kind of like way that you wouldn't expect. Kind of like, hey, this stuff is rushing at me, so I'm going to slow down time so I can you know take advantage of that. It's not a huge rev- revelation, nor is it very a very difficult quote unquote puzzle, but uh, mm-hmm. it was a great use of that. I think again, like it's one of those things where I want to give this game possibly undue credit every time it breaks its formula right. because it does so so infrequently yeah yeah um and the end of that that hallway with that is really tough like oh, that so little bad. that garage door that comes up like that's mm-hmm. a really tricky set of enemies and they're really aggressive at that point like they're very they're moving in on you rather than being reactionary right like you know and and that was it's kind of been the and that kind of carries out like there are more enemies that come towards you at this point and that's much harder to deal with Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I abuse this phrase in the Metroid Prime one, but your defensive vocabulary is not strong in this. Right. Like you can do that dive, but I end up using that offensively almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. If a bunch of enemies come in and start shooting at me, I can use that dive. And there are such bullet sponges. I can usually kill one and hurt another one. But then as soon as I land, I get lit up. Yeah. So you have to start playing differently, start taking cover. Start using your projectiles and consumables a lot more. Yeah. Like this is when I started like, you know, depleting my stock of Molotov cocktails because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a one hit kill if you can land it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, just in general, this is this is where I started. So I'll admit, like at, it was around this point, I started using the console to give myself painkillers mm. because there's this weird thing where I don't feel like it was balanced very well for um, intra- Let's say, let's say, not intra, inter combat recovery. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can really fuck yourself. Like, like one bad fight three rooms ago before you find another medicine cabinet with more painkillers can really fuck you down the line. And if you yeah. saved after that, you know, you're, you, you know, you're one or two actions beyond where that would have like made a difference for you. Yeah, yeah. Even though, like, I mean, and that, that's definitely true. Even though there, are, there's almost no, like. Because the stakes get so high in the ne- in the end game of this, mm-hmm. like you die so quickly, essentially most of the encounters in the end, I was reloading until I could do it without getting hit. Oh yeah, right. So like if you're at, if I was at that point in this part, and I agree with you, like they don't space those out very well. Um, if I was at one of those points, I would just kind of end up trying the part that I'm stuck on over and over until I could do it perfectly, and get kind of the perfect run right. of it. Which again, not that's objectively a flaw. Mm-hmm. But I ended up scratching that hotline Miami itch. Like, what if I had tried tacking in this guy first instead of that guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, in that case, this guy has to run a little bit closer to me because he's using a shotgun. And that gives me time and just enough bullet time to dive backwards and shoot that guy and, you know, kind of putting together the puzzle pieces. Yeah. I didn't yeah. feel that the individual encounters were varied enough to maintain my interest long enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not. Right. Like, they're you know, at this point, like, this was definitely where I started feeling like I was playing for the story at this point. And feeling some real fatigue about going into a room full of dudes <laughs> and shooting them. Yeah. You know? I'm having trouble thinking of a shooter that isn't repetitive. Yeah, that's kind of, that's the genre. Yeah. It's surprising to me that's like the most popular genre in the world. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, this is the first kind of real shooter we've done. The The closest thing that we've done that uh, kind of compares is maybe, uh, not Spec Ops, uh, God, PsyOps. Yeah. Um, which is very different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just because just because of the extra twist of, you know, psi powers. Um, 
and maybe the way it's structured too with the boss fights and such. Mm. But, uh, but, but yeah, like this is the first shooter that we've done. So I feel like a lot of the stuff that we're saying about this is about shooters in general. And I, and I found myself, you know, since I played this, I, I beat this and I beat spec ops the line in the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so comparisons kind of shot out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Well, the thing with, I mean, the, I end up playing a, an okay number of shooters, but the trick to them is like co-op. Yeah. Like I don't, I mean, I don't want to do deathmatch and ever with anybody, but mm-hmm. the, uh, like a co-op, even a dumb, dumb shooter is pretty fun when you've got somebody there with you. Right. And it just like opens up your tactical, you know, options quite a bit Yeah. and, uh, and becomes fun. But like, I, like the idea of just like, you know, do you want to just play this modern shooter? That's just a regular game with no, no twist to it. Like, why would mm-hmm. I ever do that? Yeah. Like, why would I play the single player of a Call of Duty mm-hmm. that came out now? Yeah. You know, that makes no sense to me. And people only barely do. Like, most people get those games to do the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And it's just that whole deathmatch mentality. Like, the single players are like trainings for the the online play. And mm-hmm. I just don't have that much interest in it. So, like, the single players, for the most part, are not going to do too much for me. Esports, energy drink, multi-kill, multi-kill. Yeah, KBR. Major League Gaming. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, just getting all Major League Gaming on that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I do not mm-hmm. have – it's not one of my favorite genres. Like, I've had fun with them. Mm-hmm. There are ones that I actually really like. But uh, it's very rare, and I don't really keep up with them as a as a genre. Right. And increasingly, they're becoming, like, with – they're becoming, like, my least favorite part of games that I end up liking. Like, with, like, Bioshock or with uh, Spec Ops, like, you know, the shooting – parts of those are not that fun right and same thing with this like i'm like i like the story of this i like the way it's told the shooting is fun for a little bit but it's like i almost feel like you shouldn't have a game where if you're only going to have one mechanic it shouldn't be this right you know like you have to just do a lot more twists to the to the geography and to the the setups to make it to keep it interesting and relevant Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm-hmm. So you get to the lab that's kind of underneath this uh, foundry. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't think of it. No, it's okay. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> so you get to the lab that's underneath this foundry. And, uh, you know, s- since the perimeter's been breached, they're going to blow it the fuck up. Yep. Uh, they're going to deep six it. Classic lab escape. Yep. Um, and this is where you find out that Acer is behind everything. You find some, like, test subjects yep. and, and stuff like that. Like, they're testing the drug. You find out about the background of Valkyrie. You find out it's a combat drug. All that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You find out that the the, the government funding got cut, so Aesir just decided to continue going after it for some reason. I, I've mm-hmm. no, no motivations given aside from well, world and domination. how does that work economically? <laughs> yeah, like oh, we could have just paid for it ourselves, but we figured we'd let the government do it. Yep. <laughs> like if the funding gets cut, like it gets cut. That's a weird, yeah, weird thing. Who knows? But they're but they're apparently like one of the like in in universe, they're one of the most uh, successful companies. Blah blah blah. Pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you get in here. This is a weird area because it has one of those uh, one of those escort sections. Mm-hmm. Um, like you find a, you find a decontamination airlock that uh, you can't open yourself because if you if you activate it, it closes. So mm-hmm. you have to have somebody activate it with you inside. Uh, you know, with you inside of it. Yeah, uh, they, they've also gone through and killed all the scientists so that they can't yeah. spread word about it. So this hey, is the one guy who's left alive. Yeah, if you find him in a cell, yeah. locked up with all the junkies. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is actually this is a harder escort mission than the last one. There are more threats right. between where you need to go, but you can kind of run ahead of him and clear it out. Yeah, um, it's difficult, but he's not. You know, it's it's not that frustrating. Right. 
with him. What's notable is like, you know, the first, the first chapter, you feel like you're, you know, like the heat is on, right? Like you, you, yeah. you, you know what's happening, but the trail goes cold here because the lab is blown up along with all evidence and all leads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really you're just left and you get a call from your, uh, your, your buddy, your superior, the guy from the beginning, BB, uh, mm-hmm. which stands for backstabbing bastard in Noir York city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really cranking it up yeah. at, th- at this point. It's kind of a weird, like deus ex machina where like this a guy just kind of comes and it's similar to like when the, uh, you got the invitation to punch an L or, uh, the restaurant. Yeah. You know, like there's a couple of places where you run into dead ends in, in this game and the game just kind of like rescues you Yeah, from it. I um, really love this chapter. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a really cool level. And it's what they do that they don't do well in other parts of the game. So this is a, a parking garage, which by definition has the same layout every floor. Right. Um, but what they do is they, they take advantage of what they can to change. So you're kind of like seeing the same area with a couple of minor differences and uh different layouts and it's kind of like a, a in-game version of like the iterations you're doing when you quick save anyway right you know so like each time you get to a new floor like maybe this time there's a fence in a place there's not and a car runs by and drops off some dudes in this area mm-hmm. and there's a dumpster to hide behind yeah and then the next one some guys get out of an elevator and a van does a drive-by and nobody gets out of it but they just shoot you so you have to dodge and there's like a, a car parked over two spots that has ammo in the trunk and you can get behind it right? and stuff, you know, yeah. this is really cool. Like it's a cool level. Yeah. It's like, it's like an arena, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just straight up, you know, shoot man. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a good shoot man part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're, you're, you know, there, there's a clear direction. You're working your way towards the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. you're being, uh, harassed by an SUV with machine gunners the entire time. So that kind of, uh, throws a little rink and, uh, a little, a little wrench into the, into the, into the works. I have no idea what I was saying. It throws you and into a an ice rink. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Rink. A rink. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you're headed straight down and you fight BB at the bottom and it's just another, mm-hmm. you know, strong, slightly stronger guy with more health, but, uh, I mean, he throws grenades and he doesn't, you at this point, at some point got a grenade launcher. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How yeah, about which that is grenade a, launcher? <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. I use that thing a lot. Like that's yeah. a great, you know, because enemies cluster together. It's fucking essential in the end. Yeah, and that's when you start running. And spoiler, that's when you start running into enemies that have them with like great frequency, <laughs> yeah. and that sucks. Yeah, it <laughs> um, does. But uh, yeah, I mean, you take out BB. It's mm-hmm. not too uh, not too tough. And this is when you run into is uh, run into Woden. Yeah. Which took me as I like a surprising long time to realize he was Odin. Um, <laughs> not surprisingly, like you know, I just realized it now. But on my first playthrough of the game, I didn't realize. Oh yeah. That this one-eyed, uh, you know, overseer of everything mm-hmm. in a game that is fucking covered in. Yeah, like if you shine a black light in this game, it would fucking glow with North Norse mythology. <laughs> yeah. Like, can, can, can we can, can we get away from that running joke as quick as possible? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> of of all of the kind of like in in cutscene character dudes, I like Woden's design, quote unquote, the best. Like uh-huh. he's not so much wearing an eye patch as he has one entirely blacked out lens on his glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's real neat. Mm-hmm. I like him. 
And yeah. he's, he's, you know, he's like, I can make this all go away, but you need to kill this person you want to kill anyway. Yeah, pretty much. You know? so, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll talk uh, to you later, whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> His favorite sitcom is Blossom. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah exactly. But uh, his favorite rapper is Buster Rhymes. <laughs> um, the uh, and you go to the, this mansion that they're at, yeah. and uh, you're you're making the deal. It's their weird and, eyes wide shut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, you know some some troopers, some ACR troopers bust in, uh, seemingly kill everyone in the room, and you escape into the courtyard, and do probably my least favorite level. Yeah, in the game. It's a real like, bummer. Yeah, it's it's just another man, another mansion with endless hallways. Mm-hmm. There's more backtracking. The enemies are tougher. Um, yeah, a lot of fights in stairwells. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep, and lots of grenades. Like lots oh, of so people with grenades and stairwells. Stairwells. Like this is really hard. Yeah, th- this is. I mean, I don't want to say they ran out of ideas, but it's where it just kind of like, okay, we're going to just throw as much at you as possible, and good luck. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw this as one of those things where it's a function of the weird video game misconception that time equals value. Oh, yeah. So yeah. He could have just gotten away. Like they show him before this whole thing, like diving out of the window. Yeah. You know, like he could have gotten to a car or just, you know, like a cutscene with him running off into the night, mm-hmm. you know, but they just had to turn it into a level. And it's just not that different or that much more exciting than any of the levels that preceded it. Yeah. So I wasn't clear. So is it two chapters that take place here, the inner circle and then Byzantine power struggle? Because I wasn't sure what was happening in chapter six, aside from it's a really short chapter. Yeah. So there are two chapters that take place here. And it's just kind of the big deal is that you learn that Woden isn't dead. Right. You know, like you, uh, you watch a cut, like a a security monitor that shows, uh, all the, you know, the dead boardroom and he gets up and kind of brushes himself off. Right. And, uh, and that's kind of the big plot reason. You're also in a more office. Like, this fucking mansion has, like, a telemarketing wing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all these cubicles and shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. So but. you get out of there and you get finally to the, uh, to the you know, the stronghold, the crazy sci-fi fortress, as they call it, the Acer uh, building, which is uh, as, as much of an allusion to the Matrix as I think you can possibly have. Yeah, it makes me it makes me wonder about that kind of uh, dual development mm-hmm. kind of bit of this because they name check the, check the Matrix like in the game. Yeah, yeah. You know? So like it makes me think that there are kind of rewrites. You know, like hey, we've cut it, we've hit upon something. Right, right. You know, um, like there's a part where he says my kung fu is strong. Yep. Um, there's a part where like two characters, two mooks you're talking about are talking about how awesome it is when in ma- action movies where things slow down. Yeah. Um, you know, and I like, that's, that's fun. There's mm-hmm. also, I didn't realize it, but a character, uh, they're talking about naming their, their guns mm-hmm. in an earlier cutscene, And one of them says he wants to name his gun, Dick justice in the, uh, in the second one, that's the, a black exploitation TV show that mirrors the events of the game. Oh yeah. So you, you can watch like this, like seventies detective show, Dick justice, <laughs> um, in there, which, you know, a weird little like tie to the sequel. Yeah. Um, I love these, like these, this happens in deus ex as well. These like big uh, corporations where they're just huge empty rooms that I can't see what the purpose of them are. <laughs> yeah. Like the lobbies are always as big as football stadiums. Yep. You know, just huge corners where there's like one potted plant in the corner and maybe a place to sit down, <laughs> but no reason anyone would ever be sitting there. Yeah. You know, um, fucking goofy. It's it's weird because you go back and you realize that like that that was one of the things that Bioshock 
it gets like you think it gets too much credit for, but then you go back and realize, oh, they actually did get they 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 should because they have not realistic but like sensible level designs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is this is you know when eating gets serious, like this is a, a tough fucking level. The enemies are all really well armed. They're really aggressive. Mm-hmm. They have you know super explodey you know M78s or M79s. I can't remember yeah. which one it is. There's there's one particular sequence where like there are like three floors of people with grenade launchers firing down on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the thing about that thing is their range is much less than yours. Right. So you can run down to the other end of the hallway and and snipe them. Mm-hmm. With, know, so with the sniper rifle, which is awful. <laughs> yeah, the snipe, sniping in this game, like the mechanic, there's no way to zoom out. You right. Just have to, you can, it's just it's a one way street. <laughs> we we totally didn't talk about the area on the docks where you're on when you first get the sniper rifle and you're on those moving platforms. Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of like that. That was um, that, that was neat. I liked that. Yeah. Um, because the, the 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 trick of the sniper rifle, where if you're going to land the hit, if like the camera follows the bullet down. Yeah, like that, like that pays off there where it doesn't in other places because because yeah. of the way that section is paced. Yeah. I actually end up liking that that section quite a bit. Yeah. Um, in in this one, like you know, it's a real situational weapon, mm-hmm. and specifically for these three dudes, right? Who are, they're almost they're behaving like turrets, like they're just kind yeah. of standing firing grenades down at the bottom of their <laughs> their place of business. Yeah. Um, they're, not, they're not janitors. They don't have to clean this up. Yeah, exactly. Like some somebody that's a living. Like somebody's going to come in the next day <laughs> and sweep up a sad spotlight. It's a bird with like a crazy big beak. Like, how? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how else am I going to eat? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you've got on the uh, uh, so you, you're just kind of moving through this. There's not too much through it. You're getting little yeah. bits of plot information by checking out computers, fighting really hard groups of enemies mm-hmm. on your way up to the emboss, and. Uh, You've got it. I, I don't know if you like this based on the notes, but yeah, did you? What were your thoughts on that elevator thing? Uh, it just kind of seemed like prolonging it a little bit. Just like, oh, oh are, are you talking about the, uh, um, the, oh, like where the, where the, the trip where mines. The, yeah, the, the, the trip mines. Like the elevator with the glass ceiling that has trip mines. Very much like the, uh, very, very much like the, uh, what am I thinking of here? The minecart, the, the minecart, yeah, very much like the minecart. I, I was, I was fine with it. I kind of knew the trick to it at that mm-hmm. point, so it was, it was harder. And yeah, I died a bunch, but like I understood it. I, I didn't realize it the first, and I didn't remember it from my first played. So the one thing I, I actually like this puzzle a lot. The one thing is like the feedback is not great. Like you no. kind of hear a little beep when you blow up, but if you're not paying close enough attention, it just seems like you're in an elevator that just explodes, <laughs> and that's really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's like oh. You just you, you don't look up in video games like it's not something that you do unless they're really telling you to. So right, yeah. Yep. If people looked up in video games, there wouldn't be Dishonored or Thief <laughs> or any game that just were you know or Tenchu. There wouldn't be stealth games, right? Because that's the trick to stealth games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that, like that part. When I say like prolonging, that like there there are sections where it's kind of like oh you know there's a mainframe that controls which elevators go where, so it serves to like make the level longer than I think it needs yeah. to. Yeah, if you're doing interesting stuff like as you were taking those detours, that would be fine. But uh, like not really. Like you're just yeah. going through more laser hallways. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, and, and again, there's more stuff that happens. But the big takeaway is you start getting into uh, Horn's kind of private area, like her library and art supply and all that <laughs> yeah. jazz. Her, um, her, her personal Michaels. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Her personal Michaels and then her Star Trek The Next Generation style art where it's just a platform with a sphere on it. <laughs> you know, like well, next time you're watching Star Trek The Next Generation, pay attention to the art because it's all amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TV watching stuff. I think we're just delaying from the from the final <laughs> chapter where, where you actually, you know, nail Nicole. Um, um, nail Nicole. Well, no. No, yeah, no, but she's she's trying to get away in a helicopter. Oh, um, nail, I, nail, Nicole. Yes, I heard nail in a coal. No, no, nail Nicole. And your name is Cole. Yes, that, so, so that would be a weird right. thing. I was like, well, that's a weird thing for you to say. Yeah. I swallowed a nail. Yeah, well, it's a classic nail in a coal situation. I, I was I was role playing. I heard that if you put a nail in a coal, then you can get your enemies to fall out of love and then hide a <laughs> lock of red hair under your doormat. And, <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, no, no. This is where you finally, uh, you know, get to get back at her. I'm happy that like this game didn't end with you shooting a woman. Yeah, yeah. You just well, you're still killing her. Cole. I know. I understand that, but it's more impersonal than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so the final boss fight in this game is against two steel guy wires for a tower. It's such a weird non like they haven't done anything like this right at this point in the game. Like the way that we want bosses to be tests. Mm-hmm. For your skills that you've learned at this point, this is so far away from that. You know, like it's just a, it's a puzzle boss, right? You know, it's it's a it's a short puzzle boss where like uh, she's getting away in a helicopter. The winds are kicking up because there's been this terrible snowstorm the entire time, and you have to break the the like suspension wires that are holding this tower up, and then shoot the tower so it falls down right onto her, and and that's it, and that's that's the end boss. Yep. Um, there's a big group of goons that f- come out after you, and that's. A mechanical thing that's to make sure you have the weapons you need to do this right you know so you throw a grenade at those guys and you can pick up all their stuff to make sure you have enough ammo for it mm-hmm. but it's a really weird ending yeah to the game but i mean yeah. it's pretty spectacular i mean in term in terms of like you know visibly what's happening you you're you're in, you're, you're taking yeah. out the head of this company you know in terms of like for you know and i hate using this phrase but like epicness yeah or like in terms of scale yeah scale let's, let's go with scale that, yeah yeah, that's that's a better way to, we, to we say. Could, we could stupid. both live with you better if you said scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, scale. Yeah. In terms of scale, it is it is appropriately grand grandiose. Right. Um, and then that's Max Payne. Like you, uh, you know, you're in a police car. You're happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woden winks at you or something from the. Uh, he's always winking. Well, yeah, it's like he blinks at you. <laughs> yeah, he blinks at you from per- uh, from the crowd. A person with one eye who winks is also blinking. Yeah, a person who, who one eye can never wink. One, okay, one one eye blinks in the forest. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that like that 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 that's the game. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was definitely a good palate cleanser after Metroid Prime. Hmm. Um. So here's my question, right? Because I found myself like the one general note that I have um, is that reloading kind of kills this game in yeah. that like, you know, again, like with those micro encounters, you know, like the Hotline Miami, any one little fuck up. I'm just wondering, like, if this had unlimited ammo, would it have been a better game? Like if you didn't have to like make that break. If it had unlimited ammo? Like, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even sure. Like, I know that it makes you pace it out, but it's kind of like the, the, the way that it auto switches you to a, to, to, to a weapon. Mm. I just found myself like, if you were in the middle of a dive, 
and you emptied the clip, you were just going to, you were just like done. And it was kind of like walking around, but it was like stubbing your toe constantly in battle. I guess there's like different ways that you could, uh, you know, different things that were your lead cause of death. Like that wasn't the thing that made me die the most. Okay. Wasn't running out of ammo. Like I, de I definitely died to that. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly it would just be, you know, uh, not knowing the geography of a room before I'm in it, which okay. is a problem I have in real life. <laughs> and the, uh, or, or just, you know, like miss dodging or not, uh, getting a headshot, you know, like not doing enough damage in the limited amount of time I had. Mm -hmm. Um, unlimited resources though would help this game. Like there's also no reason why your, your painkillers could, since they take a little while to heal you, right. You know, having those, uh, recharge or, uh, you know, you don't have to take an entire bottle, <laughs> like eight, eight, eight bottles of pain, strong painkillers should last you. Like just take a pill, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, and maybe that's something like you, you have like, and then it kind of turns into like a Gears of War though, with a regenerating health system yeah, or what have you. Um, I don't know. That that I don't know if I like thing. that. Like I don't, I it like might that. be like, I don't, I don't know though. You know, I think what, I think we're, we both don't like shooters. <laughs> like I'm, I'm being serious. I think that's what yeah. it is. Is like, we do, you know, these mechanics that are part of the genre and are taken for granted are things that we don't really like. Right. You know, and I, that's definitely true. Like I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with this game. Mm -hmm. I like the story. I like the story in the second one a whole lot too. Um, and it made it, you know, I don't think I'll play the second one again, but I played it all the way through once and had fun. Um, it's sometimes fun to shoot guys. It is like a palate cleanser. I want to say if this game was half the length, it would be a really efficient game, mm -hmm. which is something I always appreciate. Like a game that is good at one thing and lets you do one fun thing over and over. That's a fun thing for me. Like cut out half the hotel, you know, half the lab, like cut out, you know, in all the mansions. <laughs> and you would you would have like you know uh, a much stronger game yeah than this but it's still not one that's ever going to be like a top 10 favorite kind of thing just because yeah. your your vocabulary is so limited and it is so frustrating because of the uh you know because like i'm trying to think of when you say you want to make it a better game to not have those deaths like i don't like cover-based shooters mm -hmm. you know like that's not a fun thing for me so i don't know if that would make it better it would make it less unique in today's market yeah so i don't know dude i don't know how to fix max Payne. yeah I, th I, I, I think I think you're onto something. So we need to shorten all the levels, get rid of the mansions, only uh, uh, Spartan Quonset huts uh, from mm -hmm. now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I want. Subways. Yeah, subways. Subways, and then Quiznos. <laughs> um, For that would be a war between those those two franchises. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how to fix it. I had like fun with it playing it. I think it's hard to recommend it now. You know, like somebody who, especially like a fan, like a shooter fan, probably would find this shit infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if that's true, but um, it's hard to give it an unequivocal recommendation. But I did like it. Uh, I did like playing it. And I yeah. liked it then. I like it now. Not amazing, but I'm glad that it scratches our, like, shooter punch card. Mm -hmm. It's not that we'll never do another shooter at some point, but the same way that I'm, like, gun-shy about doing another RTS. Yeah. You know, after Sacrifice, um, I'm probably a little gun-shy about doing another pure shoot game. As we said at the beginning, uh, this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, our dear listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their awesome service. Um, for this episode, you know, working in Noir, York City, etc., um, wanted to find something that fit the theme. And uh, I'm going to suggest uh, L.A. Noir, The Struggle for the Soul of America's Most Seductive City um, by John Bunton. Yeah. Um, Noir is just like a really interesting genre. I mean, I, I gushed about it at the beginning, but it's definitely uh, 
um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm more into the film side of it, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's, uh, you, you know, it, it began as a, uh, you know, kind of a knee jerk reaction against the haze code almost like mm-hmm. all the best stuff was like, how do we get around this as much as possible? So it's, it's, it's more tied in with the history of film than anything. Uh, but these, you know, kind of, you know, detective story narratives, uh, the, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, cowboy stuff. It feels like a, a product of a bygone era and there's yeah. awesome stuff happening in noir, uh, you know, you know, at least here in the past couple of decades too. The, uh, and this, this this book is more about the historical yeah. side of that. So like L.A., you know, is a big, big town for the stuff. And it's kind of about the intersection of, of that fiction, mm-hmm. you know, because of the big Hollywood thing like that. It was a big part of Hollywood and the kind of real life, uh, you know, inspirations. Right. And such. Um, yeah. Cool. So oh. if you like noir, check it out. Uh, one thing as, as a, a big fan of the, the film genre of noir. Um, cool. Have you watched uh, uh, the Third Man? Um, no. It I... is uh, like the British Film Institute. They say it's the best movie okay. of all time. Um, it Orson Welles did not direct it, but he's a real scene stealer. Okay. In it, and it is a uh, fantastic, not like super hard boiled noir, but takes a lot of the same kind of cinematography and some of the tropes, mm-hmm. and uh, it's great. Nice. Yeah, and no, you should read it. I've watched. Uh... I, I've definitely, I've definitely uh, heard of it, and like you know, just one of those things. It's almost like you know, it's really hard. It's such a prolific genre that the stuff that boils up to the top, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to get exposed to some of it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreedo. Um, and again, it's not my, it's not my favorite. It's I'm not as into it as you are, but I am into it. Yeah, and uh, I've been looking to uh, to kind of expand, expand my horizons. I love Chinatown. Oh, Chinatown's the best. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you are interested in uh, L.A. Noir, the struggle for the soul of America's most seductive city, um, you know, you can get that through our Audible Trial link. You go to uh, www.audibletrial.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. You can get that three uh, or three zero day <laughs> trial for free um, and check out their service. We'd really recommend it. Huge help. And watch The Third Man if you haven't. <laughs> Definitely. So you've heard what we say, uh, what we have to say about Max Payne, um, and now it's time to uh, dip into what you have to say. We asked for responses, and you gave them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Gary, why don't you uh, tell us what Joni has to say? I will. <clears throat> Joni says, Max Payne was a big thing for the finished game industry back in the day. It was the biggest game developed here, and it won critical acclaim, acclaim everywhere. It was fun, though a bit difficult, and focused on shooting in slow motion, which was very cool. The gameplay, the comic book elements, and the interesting story elements fascinated me quite a bit, particularly for particularly because it was made here. I was ready to eat my words that this game hasn't aged well, but the amount of small details and moments in the game still impressed me. I was hit by some of the writing and atmosphere and the comic book storytelling on it, which has its charms. This game has some deep psychological story elements, which seem to get stronger with time. Um, and it is still a cool game. And I also like the writing in later Remedy games. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we didn't, we like, we, we kind of like pointed out that it has a lot of Norse fiction, but this definitely is like a Scandinavian developed game. Yeah. Um, it's, and that's a really cool, like little clash of cultures. Yeah. You know, this kind of, uh, uh, American genre mm-hmm. mixing with, uh, yeah, that's a really neat thing. And I didn't realize, I did not know that was the, the history of Remedy. Oh, that they were a Finnish uh, studio. Yeah. That's them. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. 
Jeffrey Lawton goes on to say um, via Facebook, replaying Max Payne sort of reminded me of Hotline Miami in that in the harder sequences, you are trying uh, over and over and you have to be strategic in who to shoot first. That said, it is in uh, it is in a purely fun way uh, and not in a way that pains your soul. That got that. Oh, that goddamn bar, man. Uh, I had a terrible time with it when I first played and it took me like 10 tries or so. I think he's referring to the fight against baseball bat boy. Mm hmm. Um, I love the noir setting and the comic book cutscenes um, and the interesting set uh, set pieces. The environment tells stories, and there are a bunch of little story Easter eggs, like the hooker's room with the teddy camera um, and the secret recording room. Also, the dream sequences were really unique. Uh, that blood trail maze is super memorable, and the dark hallways maze was frustrating as hell, but I felt like I had conquered something. With all that aside, my favorite moment is probably the point where you're captured and your weapons are taken away, but you are left with just a baseball bat, and you sneak along a hallway bashing people on the back of the head. Um, at first, you feel helpless without your gun, uh, but by the time uh, you make it to the exit, you feel like a badass. Max Payne is great. It's tough, but rewards your, or your efforts with making you feel like you're starring in an action movie. Uh, the setting is awesome, and it really fleshes out the world presented in the cutscenes. Uh, I really have a hard time thinking of a shooter that I've enjoyed more. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had a, I, the stealth didn't work for me in the game, and maybe, you know, mechan like actually didn't work, <laughs> like glitched in a way, or maybe um, it's a memory thing. But I, I, that does sound cool. I wasn't able to do that, sadly. Like it kind of alerted everyone as soon as I cracked my first skull. Yeah, it could have been really empowering, like you, like you, like you saying. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we just weren't doing it right, or maybe it was a random number generator thing. Oh yeah. Like yeah. by the time we got to the first guy, we were just within the alert distance of two guys. I mean, it could have been a thousand, thousand different things. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It is. I like the game too. Mm -hmm. um, James Robinson via Facebook says. I remember my flatmate at the time playing it while high and freaking out at the baby maze part. <laughs> uh, he had to check the next day to ensure it was real and not part of his imagination. Uh, nonstop crying baby mazes really break the momentum of this game up. A terrifying rust from the shooting. Or a terrifying break. Nonstop crying baby mazes. I know he's ensuring in? that it's real and not part of his imagination. Like... <laughs> Yeah. It's not real, James's roommate. Yeah, it's a, it is a work of fiction. Are you gaslighting your roommate about just like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, James McPherson via Facebook says, From what I remember, the final boss was really unsatisfying. After spending the entire game having insane shootouts with rooms full of enemies and bullet time diving behind boxes while firing off your shotgun, the final boss being a helicopter was a real thud. We forgot to mention the part with the elevator where the helicopter shows up and you have yeah. to jump to the other helicopter. I thought that was just going to be, I thought we were going to fight a helicopter. Yeah, me too. You know, like a classic Metal Gear-esque, like, okay, man v. Copter kind mm -hmm. of thing, which I don't even like in Metal Gear. Like, you know, that's never, like, my favorite thing in the world. Man v. Copter is one of my favorite literary conflicts. Yeah. <laughs> Along with <laughs> well, man it's, v. It's really high up on the scale, but yeah. it eventually is up there. <laughs> What's Pasco say? Uh, Pasco has to say, uh, this isn't worth a full mail, but the hype generated for Max Payne by its Max F at Max S Max FX. That is hard to say. <laughs> Max FX engine being used to recreate the matrix lobby scene in 3d Mark 2001 was off the fucking charts. Probably worth a mention. I miss the days when so many games use their own unique engines like Max FX 
rather than having everything being made in the same Unreal engine. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting point, but I also like the realization when I passed, you know, I, I don't know tons about game development, but I realized that, uh, you know, when you're building an engine, it's essentially like shooting a movie while inventing a camera. Yeah. You know, like, uh, when I realized that, it, it was really incredible to me, like the idea of building an engine from the ground up. And mm-hmm. I'm not surprised so many things, you know, just kind of license well-known working engines. Yeah, license Unreal. Like, it's good because it lets people focus on, like, how can we make this experience different? Yeah. Um, but, focus uh, on content. But you do, I, I agree with you, yeah. that you lose a little bit. Yeah, the look and feel specifically. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell when you pick up, like, that you're, when you pick something up, that you are playing an Unreal game. Yeah, or a um, source. <clears throat> And it, and it gets a little like it's. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say something weird. I'm a little bit upset by how many uh, indie games are just like made in Unity now, hmm. because that that kind of has the same thing. Like Unity is the it, it is the Unreal of independent game development. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like that ever ends up being something that's ever going to bother me too much. Like it's a thing that, given unlimited resources, I definitely would miss. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it lets people focus on content, yeah, more than I'm okay with it. Ultimately, I think I think it is something to to definitely. It's worth noting. Yeah, that's where I fall on it too. But yeah, yeah, I think and I I don't remember the hype from this, but I believe that it was a thing. Yeah, and it's a big marketed game, huge game. True. So yeah, so the deliberation had legs up to here and (laughs) had a kiss like a knockout punch, like a heavyweight boxer up against the ropes on his last night when he'd been paid to throw a fight. It's, it's deliberation time. <laughs> oh, the, the sirens work really well behind that. Yeah. <laughs> Dreets were screaming with sirens. I, I don't even know. <laughs> Good one. Good one, buddy. <laughs> there we go. The streets were screaming with sirens and we stopped deliberating. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we're I, out. Yeah, we have we are yeah. noired out. Yeah. But, but um we have uh, emerged from bar deliberation, uh mm-hmm. covered in blood, and also uh wanting to give a game to Joni because mm-hmm. uh it's something we ignored. Uh you know, the fact that this was a uh you know a, a Finnish developed game. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's not something that we see happening a lot. And, uh, the fact that this is kind of a hometown hero for you guys up there, uh, really neat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Our hats off to you, to you guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, cool. Why don't you tell, uh, Joni what she could win, what she could possibly win, depending on how we can gift this, gift these given the, uh, well, uh only one of them is giftable. Yes. Um, and that's only on one specific platform. So <laughs> yes, you so, may get a random steam game. Yes. The, 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 this is all possible, but the next episode is going to be a split EP, uh, between Mario golf for the, uh, N64, which you can get on the virtual console for 10 smackaroos. Um, mm-hmm. and also Tony Hawk's pro skater Two. Uh, which you can get uh, also on the N64, uh, but more uh, more appropriately on either the PlayStation or, as I'm going to play it, the Dreamcast. Yep, and for way less than $10, but you actually have to get a disc. Yeah. Because for some reason, this has never been available for download yeah. or anything, which is really disappointing, and that seems like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about both those, and kind of it might end up being kind of a longer episode covering a little bit more. We need to see how it works. Yeah. We need to hear from you whether you like it. This is a pilot, um, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So we're just going to kind of split it into an A side and B side about those two games. And we chose those games very deliberately because they are short on plot and high on uh, on mechanics. High on game. High on game. Um, after that, we are doing a two-parter, um, and that is on Deus Ex. 
Invisible War. Gotcha, Cole. <laughs> Damn it. Bam. No, I've already bought <laughs> Take that. Um, uh, isn't Invisible War kind of good? Um, I think it's underrated. Yeah. It's got some problems. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's got a lot of problems, but it, I think it's a little bit underrated. Um, but it's got a really bad reputation. Mm-hmm. But we're not doing that anyway. We're doing Deus Ex. Yes. OG Deus Ex. One of my all-time favorite games. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I still haven't looked at like a game fact to see where to delineate that. It doesn't actually matter that much, though. If you're going to play along, just play along. Right. You know, um, we need to plan that for our own selves, but I don't think it impacts listeners too much. Right. Uh, um, you can get that on GOG. You can get that on Steam. Uh, it runs mm-hmm. on lots of different computers. Um, yep. As long as it's Windows. Mm. Yep, yep, indeed. Yep. <laughs> it runs on any number of real computers. Mm. Um, <laughs> the uh, and, and it's great. It's a delight if you've never played it. Yep. Um, you know, all the people who got into Dishonored this year, um, go back and play some Deus Ex because there's a lot of shared DNA there. Or if you're like a big fan of Thief or excited about the new Thief game, play some Deus Ex. There's some yeah. DNA there. <laughs> if, you, if you like anything, yeah. just play some Deus Ex. Yeah, like if you're having a bad day, <laughs> your girlfriend leaves you, get fired, play some Deus Ex. <laughs> um, yeah. um, after that, we are announcing our, our next game now. So yeah, the next game we're going to play, we're going to play is uh, Soul Blazer for the Super Nintendo. Uh, it notably is not available on the Virtual Console, but uh, you know how to get it. Um, mm-hmm. You can find it on, on Amazon if you want the authentic experience. Yeah, um, yeah it is a uh, top-down action role-playing game kind of feel. Uh, think like Zelda or Mana, uh, you know, things like that. We're going to try and redeem the genre after sort of Mana uh, last year. Uh, completely <laughs> made us want to die. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. We're gonna do. We're still gonna maybe do Secret of Mana, but we're gonna put it off a little while. Yeah. Um, and this is a this is a cool cult favorite. It's a game I have fond memories of, but barely remember at all. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that weird, you know, uh, like Dark Cloud, where you're Zeldaing and then also rebuilding a town. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, or uh, what is it called? Brave Friends for Musashi. Yep. You do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those kind of things, and I, I always have an affection with that. And let's see if it stands up. Yeah. Um, looking forward to it. Um, after that, what episode does that put us at? Is that 48? That, yeah, that's that. That's 48. Okay, so then we have to come up with one for 49, and then we have to come up with something awesome for 50. Yep. <laughs> which we haven't done. So, <laughs> Yep. So we're here if you have any suggestions um, on mm-hmm. that, like what would be awesome for that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of just kind of general awesome, um, keep watching the skies, guys. Yeah. I think that we have a really cool uh, announcement coming next episode. Yes. And uh, I mean, we definitely do. I don't think that we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, so uh, slather yourselves in anticipation. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, um, yeah. And uh, and so cool, big things happening mm-hmm. for the show. Yes. Um, the uh, one real quick um, plug that I want to put somewhere that I can't, you know, put anywhere else. Um, I met a guy named Andrew Purty in Seattle recently who is starting a uh, the Seattle Interactive Media Museum. Um, and it's a video game museum. It's really small right now. It's really kind of like a, like a room with like, he kind of turned his personal collection mm-hmm. into this. Um, it's, but it's, uh, you know, he's got a good heart and he's a nice guy and he's doing good work. Like it's just, it's a room with like a bunch of consoles set up with like really good games. And there are a bunch of kids in there playing, you know, super Mario brothers and Atari and playing old games. And it, it lightened my heart to see it. And he's just starting out so he can use all the help he can get. Um, if you want to, uh, send him anything like any old games, or I'm going to send him a bunch of old game guides I don't want when I move. Um, you can get the information on how to do that by going to, uh, www.thesim, so the S I M M.org. 
and uh, find out how to send him a, a charitable donation yeah. to further video games as kind of a a thing that is, uh, you know, uh, looked at in that in that sense. Yeah, we're definitely down with uh, archival um, initiatives for video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I just went to the website, redirects to his Facebook page. And I went to that museum because I was going to this History of Video Games exhibit at the Seattle EMP Museum. Mm-hmm. I didn't go the night, but there was a night where people were playing Tetris on this like 70-foot screen. Holy shit. And he has screenshots of or you know pictures of people doing it. It looks really awesome. Nice. And I did not get to do it, sadly. Oh, too bad. But yeah. Um, so there's the usual kind of list of, uh, things that we rattle off at the end here. Uh, you know, you can, uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes. Those really, really help us out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know that not, not everybody likes iTunes. Um, I don't like using iTunes that much either, but, uh, that is the main place where people find us. And, uh, that helps us get onto like the what's hot list and the, and, and everything like that. So if you have mm-hmm. a couple of minutes, you can go there. That, that, that definitely does make a difference for us. Yep. Um, if you want to help in a, uh, a more kind of concrete way. Um, the audible link that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, is a huge help. The Amazon link at duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar. Um, you know, it doesn't cost you a dime and you should, you know, buy everything you do through Amazon through there. Mm-hmm. It's really helps out a big, 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 big way. If you want to get involved in the conversation, we do have a Facebook group uh, that is uh, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs. Uh, you know, we generally post stuff there, funny things. Uh, we ask you for questions as we're playing games. We put our thoughts up there. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, as you heard during the uh, dur- during the responses section, that's one place where uh, people have responded. So, you know, we'll read your comments on the air. And if you say, you know, if you, if you bring something cool to light, we will mention it and try and attribute yep. it where possible. Yep. And we also... Uh, uh, it is branded based on whatever uh, episode of Abject Suffering is on my mind at the time. <laughs> so if you go there and you see a picture of Steven Tyler just looking like a fucking melted golem and then uh, his, you know, a banner with his, you know, dare I say groundbreaking uh, Aerosmith album, Honking on Bobo. Um, Pardon yeah. me, Gary. Honking on Bobo. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. One does not. Yeah. Honking is a little too formal for Bobo. Yeah. Like there's weekday Bobo and there's weekend Bobo on weekday Bobo. You can go in there just honking in a suit and you're like, but on weekends you go honking on Bobo honking (laughs) honking. I can't not pronounce the G, but my diction is too good um, for you Aerosmith. Um, So go check that out. And speaking of which uh, Mm -hmm. get abject suffering, please do. It's great. Yeah, it's some of the best stuff. The Jurassic yeah. Park episode just dropped, um, and, and now when you're listening to this, there's uh, there's an episode about. Uh, holy crap! What what game do we do? Uh, Tower of Doom. Oh yeah, Tower, no, of, t- Tower of Terror. Deadly Towers. Deadly Towers. There we go. <laughs> Deadly Towers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the discussion of it is more memorable than the name of it. <laughs> um, but it's it's great. You should yeah. you know I can put aside my distaste for self-promotion and tell you that it's really funny. You should <laughs> yeah. check it out. Yeah. Um, if you like other stuff that we do, um, Cole does a couple shows. He does a show with his brother called those damn Ross kids, um, full of funny news stories and, uh, funny verbal sparring between <laughs> uh, two Ross boys. Yeah. And then he does a, uh, a show called the level that I have previously guested on. We'll guest it on in the future contains mm-hmm. guests. It is a round table video game show. Sometimes about a specific game when they do these kind of bonus levels, sometimes about uh, general video game news and what you've been playing and stuff. And it is top notch. He does that with a bunch of his uh, funny old friends and they have an amazing chemistry that ages like whiskey. Like they, they, <laughs> this, they have done so been doing this for so many years that yeah. they have essentially, uh, you know, the nitrates within them have 
infused <laughs> each other with uh, and made them much more alcoholic <laughs> or turned them into alcoholics. Yes, they were the, <laughs> turned them <There>. into alcoholics. <laughs> there you go. That's more accurate. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gary and I, we both do a show called Bonfire Side Chat, which is about the Dark Souls uh, video game and the Souls series of games. Uh, mm -hmm. We're coming up on the tail end of Dark Souls, and we're going to start Demon Souls here uh, pretty quick. We get uh, guests, um, you know, other podcasters, people uh, who have expressed an interest. It's really good. We've had, uh, you know, a bunch of really awesome guests on there. Not a dud among them, I would say. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's definitely one of the one of the best things. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. one of the best things. Oh, go ahead. And our guest on the next one. Uh, oh. is relevant yes it is i was gonna say yeah also yeah. one of the best things is uh is the uh show that you do with your friend brayton cameron uh the pitch who will be uh guesting on the next episode of bonfire side chat about the new londo ruins um mm -hmm. and uh you know like really i say it's about solutions i say that it's about um you know th th that it's about products to make people better you know i, I think that it's it's more of a philosophy for living Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Turn turn your to do list into a today list. Exactly. With the pitch. Um, dropping it now. There's a cross where the pitch is doing uh, recorded a crossover episode with Bonfireside <laughs> Chat. So there is a uh, there's a pitch episode that is about uh, uh, the uh, new restaurant that Brayton is opening. That is a uh, is by a Dark Souls theme restaurant. Oh no. Um, called I think it's Edible Estes, an undead favorite. Um, <laughs> And it is uh, has all the menu items that you come to expect and enjoy from a Dark Souls themed restaurant. So, uh, I can't wait for that. Yep, it is. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Gary also does a show called Dead Idea Valhalla, which is currently in reruns, uh, mm -hmm. comes out every Monday. Um, and that is an awesome music comedy variety show with skits and scabs and monologues and all such things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. So I think that's all of our, um, you know, admin to do stuff. Again, we implore you, like, keep it, keep an ear on the ground and an eye to the sky uh, because yeah. we've got cool something. Yeah. yeah. And I hope it doesn't, like, or, you know, like, we've been bought by Nintendo. Like, it's no. not going to – it's cool. It's not quite that. Like, I, 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 liked, you know, I liked some of the speculation that was on the Facebook. Me too. Yeah, I, I like that a lot too. Like, we're going to remake Home Improvement for the Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> Which like do it, man. Best game we've done for Abject Suffering. <laughs> we make it. Home improvement. Surprisingly surprisingly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um that was terrible. Get uh, more power with home improvement on the Wii U. <laughs> yep. But uh man, so th what can they watch out for aside from mafioso types? They can watch out for dames. <laughs> dames with legs up to their eyeballs. <laughs> Twin oh, eyeballs that punch like twin diamonds shining in the sky, like Orion's belt, just two thirds of it, like two thirds of it shining. <laughs> yeah, Orion's prize fighter belt. Orion's <laughs> prize fighter belt. He's about to take a dive in the third, <laughs> third round, hanging above the sky, and then it looks like a busted jaw of a boxer. <laughs> you spit out a mouthful of blood. One of those weird teeth things. It was, it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> So you can watch out for all of that. Yes. They can also watch out for fireballs.
there there are seventeen thousand kinds of stories. Man v man, man v environment, man v self, man v teddy bear, man v lunch, man v helicopter, man man v pistachio, man v alcohol. Like man v pistachio is my favorite ventriloquist. <laughs> 